Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. On July 25th, my math is right, 1978, there was a man who was born who would later end up wearing a crown, hosting a podcast with a very surly gray-haired man 44 years later. That man, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. This is Morning Combat. And not only is it Morning Combat here on this Monday, it's the birthday of my friend and yours, the CTE of CT. There he is, right there on the right of your screen to the left of me. What's up, B-Cam? How you doing, bro? Happy birthday. Feliz cumpleaños. Yes, thank you, Luke. For Thank you to everybody who's reached out in response to your tweet and our staff. Uh, 44 years. Luke, this, this, any crisis is moving forward. Might, might, hopefully will be of the midlife variety now. You know what I mean? I'd love to live to 88, but we'll see how long my liver can, can hold up in that regard. But uh, uh, what a great, you know, there's nothing I'd rather be doing on my birthday, Luke, than doing this show. For the people. And shout out to MK Superfan, Lee Selker, uh, Duke Wrestling Product. It's his birthday as well today. Happy 40th to him. Walter Payton, RIP. Uh, Stacy Montalto, too, Luke. I went to seventh grade with her. It's her birthday today. I don't know how she ended up, though. You know, I'd you know, maybe I should look into that, you know? You know, I have a summer birthday as well. How did you always feel about summer birthdays? Because kids who had birthdays during the school year, it always felt like it worked out better for them. Those of us who had them in the summer, when everyone's kind of gone or doing whatever... I don't know. I it just so, it always felt like we got left out a little. No, I actually disagree with that. Having a you know your birthday is what August fifth, right around mine. It's essentially the midpoint, you know, because as a kid, uh, you, you know, you're building toward Christmas, Luke, right? As a kid, you, you're only thinking materialistically. You're thinking gifts. You're thinking toys, right? So your 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 whole focus all year is staying good for Christmas, Luke. Especially when your parents don't tell you the truth until fifth grade. <laughs> But having a summer birthday gives you, you know, that mid-year Christmas, Luke. You know, especially when you combine it with, like, trips to Riverside. Uh, Phil McKagan knows what I'm talking about. Or Baseball Hall of Fame. I've done a lot of great, you know, July birthday trips, Luke, okay? So I, that's much better than somebody having a birthday in, like, January or something. You know, it's like, oh, we just, ha- we just gave you your Christmas gifts. What do you want from us now? You know what I mean, Luke? Yeah, I, I, I guess I had a very sad ch- childhood. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember these birthday trips you refer to. Um, it didn't quite work out that way for me. But neither here nor there, BC. It is a yeah. Monday. We are reacting to UFC London. We are reacting to Bellator 283. We're talking about your birthday. We've got have you seen this shit? BC's feces plus your DMs. And it's, by the way, it's a it's a fruitful load of shit this week. I put a lot in there. Shout, shout out to Long Island Luke and Gaff for corralling that bullshit. It's going to be fun today, Luke. Okay. Hopefully, you're going to have some surprise. 
birthday element, like the you know top forty four things you hate about BC or something, Luke. I mean, come on. Uh, I don't have any special elements planned in that way, but I don't think about it so much um, exactly on those terms, BC. But I am happy to be here and I'm happy to make fun of you just the same as okay. we have been doing for the last three years. All right, thumbs up on the video if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a nice review wherever that may be. Spotify, Stitcher, I don't know, doesn't matter to me. Just give us a nice review. Also, BC. If you want to try Showtime, because hello, Showtime Championship Boxing back at the Barclays Center on Saturday. I will be there. BC will be on vacation, but I'll be there doing some prelim action for you guys. So that'll be a little bit of fun. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. But that's there and available. BC, you're going to have FOMO on your vacation I while I'm out there at the Barclays. I will. Shout out to Danny Garcia. I had a very nice interview with him. You can check it out, along with all of our other bonus content at YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. Of course, DSG making the debut at Junior Middleweight on Saturday. Luke will be there. I'll be missing it, Luke. I'll be missing Nunes Pena too, bro. But luckily, you, me, Chuck Mindenhall, we, we filmed a hell of a pregame preview in the old Jersey City studio for this one, Luke. So that's coming out soon, I hear. I hear, Luke. I hear soon, right? I hear lots of things. We shall see when it actually comes out. But yes, we did record one. It should be out pretty soon. So that is uh, something to look forward to as well. We have some interviews that you and I are doing later. Extra credit is already recorded. That should be up soon. So plenty of content coming your way. Give us a nice subscription. I'm saying that like a dumbass. Subscription here uh, at YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. Also, I want to remind everyone, you can email the show, morningcombat at gmail.com. That's for Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's dead wrong, and or if you just want to reach the show... That's the place to do it. Uh, let's see if I'm forgetting anything. I think that's about it, BC, right? That's, that's the whole shebang. Yeah, I mean, we oh, might as merch. well the merch. switch gears and put on an award-winning show. Oh, yeah, merch, Luke. It's really good, too. This is the shirt that when I wear, I get weird looks at the grocery store. So I'm wearing it here yeah. today. So that's the only product out of our catalog I really don't support, Luke, okay? what You don't like this one? No, Wait, look what look what it's promoting, Luke. Filth. Okay, I mean, you know, you know, this, this is not a family friendly friendly turn for our brand. But you know, RJ said, "I know what the people want," and you know, he may he actually may know our audience better than we do, Luke, in that regard. So you, know? you have a segment called "Have You Seen This Shit," where we look at elderly abuse, feces flying, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, all yeah. manner of ill repute behavior. And you're worried about a porn. Well, I won't even say finish the term, but See? you're worried See? about a pornography. Yes. Uh, rip off. Look, a real man has standards. He has lines. He has boundaries. You cross those, <laughs> you get you get cut, bro. Okay, you know what I'm saying? You know. So, what is your explanation for desecrating the American flag with a wrestling shirt? I forgot that's your thing, dude. Yeah, um, that is my thing. Um, you know, well, it's my birthday, Luke. So I figured I had to wear something ridiculous, right? So shout out, you know. That's true. That's just true. Too sweet. This is that shirt right there says I live in red state America. That's what that shirt says right there. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, that's yeah. the thing, Luke. I like to be a chameleon. I was that in high school. You know, I got along with the with the metalheads just as well as the nerds, jocks, geeks. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, Luke, some people think yeah, like, remember that chick uh, snarky ginger? Sold, you know, sold any love for me because I once said I liked Kurt Schilling as a pitcher. People think I'm all over the political spectrum, Luke. But wherever you are in your life, just remember, I'm with you, okay? BC Fair cares enough. if don't nobody else care, all right? Thank you. Thank you, BC Pac. I appreciate that, uh, B Pac. All right. With that in mind, let us begin the show. A good slash bad slash weird weekend of fights. I'm not really sure how to describe it. So 
Hopefully BC can help us. Let's talk about UFC London's main event. Uh, a strange one, to put it mildly, BC. In the main event, it lasted a whopping 15 seconds before Tom Aspinall. We still don't know exactly what the injury is. There's obviously been a lot of Twitter doctors telling us what they think it might be. Some of them might be right. But in any case, BC, what is there really to say? He throws a leg kick, retracts it, Aspinall does. And as he retracts it and kind of stumbles a little bit, he seemed to suffer some kind of terrible, debilitating knee injury. They exchanged a few punches right before that. What is there to say about this? Well, look, it's disappointing. It's the second straight week uh, that we've seen a UFC main event, which we were jazzed the hell up for, that had important title connotations. And boy, did this one come, come up empty. I mean, it happens, Luke. You know, I was there. I think I was there when... Matt Mitrione stick-kicked Sergey Karatanov under the Bellator banner. It happens sometimes in the first 10, 15 seconds. What sucks the most is we were really looking to see who was going to advance, survive in advance, and move closer to that title. And more specifically, the, the, the thing that sucks the most is what does this do to Aspinall's rise? It's a, it's, a, it's a delay of some form, a step back, a detour, however you want to look at it, depending on the severity of it. Let's hope he bounces back and still has an opportunity to get right back in line and continue this march. But what did we learn? I mean, almost next to nothing. I, I liked what those 15 seconds brought me. It wasn't quite the, the same tease that Ortega and Yair did in terms of like, oh, shit, this really could be as good as we think it could be. But in that 15 seconds, dude, I liked the way Blades was countering in his boxing. I certainly liked how he responded to Aspinall off the start, taking the fight to him. Obviously, that means nothing to where this fight was eventually going to go. I think at the end of the day, Luke, we're treated to a lot of great stuff in the UFC. Great matchmaking, consistent cards every weekend. But, you know, it, this stuff happens once in a while. I don't know if Curtis Blades turned Sith between fights and force choked the patella and to force that stoppage. But either way, Luke... He gets the TKO win, whatever you think of that, whatever you think the value of that is. So let me spin it back on you and ask you directly, what is the value of this TKO win, considering we're not running it back in, in two months, right? Aspinall's going to be out. What does this win do to Curtis Blades? Well, he kind of, I thought, accurately described it. He gets a win on his record. He gets his money, which is nice. He doesn't have his ranking position affected. The end result is it's not that it, he gets the confidence or the, I should say, the managerial confidence in what it would mean to beat Tom Aspinall. But if Aspinall is really injured and is going to be out for a long while, Blades retaining the position that he's in is going to serve him as we figure out what's going to happen with Cyril Ghosn and Taito Ivasa. Potentially, potentially, I mean, there's, it seems to be nothing but Twitter talk forever, quite literally years at this point about John Jones's return and potentially a fight with Stipe Miocic, Blades still gets to get the benefit, not so much of the win, but as if the fight never happened and then he just gets to retain the existing rankings position. So it's a good opportunity for him to get some more money and whatever else, and I certainly I don't see anyone really blaming him for this in any kind of capacity, so that's nice. But if I'm, if I'm Curtis Blades, I get to go, well, listen, I was supposed to fight Aspinall. It didn't work. It's not my fault. Here I am. I'm going to look up the rankings position as we uh, talk about it right now. Let's pull that up, BC. So currently at heavyweight, he is sitting at number four. The only ones above him are Tuivasa, Gan, and Miocic. Well, Tuivasa and Gan are going to duke it out. Maybe Gan gets the title shot after that. But if I'm Curtis Blades, I say I want either the winner of that or the winner of Miocic and John Jones, whichever comes first, and then use that to get back to the title. 
That that seems to me like you didn't get you didn't really prove anything in this context because it wasn't there was nothing provable given what happened, but you are sitting at four. The ones ahead of you have fights coming up, at least in theory. All of them, Gon just lost, Miocic just lost, Tuivasa's never really been up there. I guess if Tuivasa wins, maybe he'll get a title shot, but that seems, I, I, I don't know how unlikely that is. Miocic, hard to know because he has the loss to Francis, although maybe they might run that back. And Gon just lost, so I doubt he'd get it back. If I'm Curtis Blades, I want whatever winner of that permutation of Jones and Stipe and Gon and, and Tuivasa, I want to face whatever winner of that gets him to a title shot, which I think he'd be in place for, would he not? He would. So that's really the spirit of what I asked you with that is obviously like, you know, the 15 seconds freak injury, you don't gain a lot, I guess, critically, but will the UFC brass and the matchmaking machine ultimately look at this as exactly what it goes down to on the record, a TKO win and advance him up the ladder as if he had won the match? Or do you think this ends up being a a sort of status quo in terms of his standing moving forward. I think he's going to end up benefiting from it, Luke, and maybe he got lucky in the end. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Well, here's the thing. Because he has the losses to Francis and, be- and their stoppage losses, and because he has the stoppage loss to Derek Lewis, the reason why he still might be held back is because, again, it's not his fault. There was nothing to prove here, given that the fight was 15 seconds, but he didn't prove anything here. I wonder if they might be hesitant, in part because he's spoken out about like, hey, I'm just gonna be, bo- I'm just gonna be boring, eat a dick, right? That's sort of one thing he said in the past. Although, again, against uh, uh, Chris Dawkins, that was not the case at all, and again, in other cases as well. But I do think that he gets to be in a position where he can begin to get, uh, uh, or he's he's on the verge of getting, I should say, a relevant next fight that could propel him to a title. But I feel like at some point, even if that is the case, which it seems to be, at least from a ranking standpoint, the case, he is going to have to prove something that eluded him here. If he gets to Ivasa or Miocic or Jones or Gon or whatever the case may be, he is going to have to prove that he's a guy that, despite losing to Francis twice, despite losing in the way that he has, he does deserve a title shot. He does deserve to be that next man up. He does deserve to be in that big shot kind of role. He does deserve to be on pay-per-view, for example. I think that like he, there is still... That's the one thing about this Aspinall thing that is, is, is lost to him. He does get to be in the catbird seat, so to speak, in terms of really advantageous, or I should, advantageous promotionally, I should say, advantageous matchups promotionally that get him to a next spot. But, but, in those contexts, he has to deliver. Like, in other words, if he had gotten a tough but sort of ho-hum win over Aspinall and then another tough but ho-hum win over Gone. At that point, you couldn't really deny him. I don't know if he can get a ho-hum win just over Gon and get the title shot. He has to do something really kind of, not like an amazing knockout in round one, but he's got to really deliver the goods and show he's not just a sort of a good guy that sometimes loses when he goes up to the very top, that he can, he has to prove that the doubts about him are, are relevant to a previous version of himself. He gets to maintain the, the interesting position in the rankings, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't solve that other problem that is still kind of lingering for him. That's sort of where I Yeah, I agree with that. Now, in terms of like, look, it goes down as the TKO, whether you like it or not. I, there's certainly an argument to be made that if a fight ends in 15 seconds, not on a strike, should be a no contest. That's not the rules, though. So, Because the rules sort of indicate if you cause injury to your foe under any circumstance, that's looked at as a positive, you get the win. 
okay. I mean, like, it's like, could you deem this an accidental foul? You look at the tape closely. There was a, a, a kick and a check. Was that, Did he check it, Luke, or did he absorb it? Either way, He absorbed it. It was actually well above the knee, almost near the hip. It was on the meaty part of the thigh, to be honest with you. Okay, so do, do you believe, and should I don't know if this matters at all in terms of the flip between TKO and no contest, despite what the, what the foundation of the rules are, do you believe the injury was caused on the kick or the landing, or both? So... Hard to know. I tend to think when stuff like this happens that there was something lingering ahead of time, whether they were aware of it or not. I think that the kick probably didn't help, but I think the landing, if you notice, uh, there is like a half punch that kind of lands and also pushes Aspinall, and he has to kind of catch his balance on a second step very quickly. I tend to think that that might have done it. So like a weird, awkward sort of landing in a non-athletic position, that's what maybe did him in. Again, without knowing what the injury is, it's really hard to say. But here's the thing. If he had checked it and caused it, like, you know, I don't know, uh, like we've seen a million times, like Weidman and Silva or something like that, that'd be one thing. But that's not really what happened here. It it seemed more circumstantial based on landing. And so I get you what you're saying. It wouldn't be an accidental foul because no foul was committed. He didn't hit the back of the head. He didn't gouge the eyes. He didn't do any Three Stooges bit. But you're right, it is deeply weird to be like, oh, you get a loss based on some kind of injury literally 15 seconds into a bout. That seems unfair, frankly, to both competitors. There should be some I mean, kind d- of other rule know, to a, a, a judge that. Do you consider Brent Primus having been the Bellator lightweight champion, or do you think the similar scenario at MSG against Chandler should have made that a no contest? Is it time to change the rules here, Luke, or is this not the fight you're willing to, the battle you're willing to fight right now? See, that was, a, that was nerve damage. I take that seriously. I think that's a real win for Brent Primus. Now, obviously, Michael Chandler got it back. Um, so, you know, he, I, did, I think he did prove that of the two, he was the better ones, and, or the better one, I should say. But, yeah, when you hit someone in the nerve and then they can't walk right and then you just kind of win based on that, yeah, I think that's legit. I mean, you got, that's part of the reason why you should check. That's part of the reason why those things are in place. But if you hit the meaty portion of someone's thigh and then your knee gets either dislocated or some kind of ACL tear or whatever happened. Those seem not unrelated, but not like directly correlated in the same kind of way. Um, yeah, I don't see those as, as equivalent, personally. personally. Okay. Um, what, what do you think we say about Aspinall now, Luke? What, what, I mean, what do you do? You just wish him well, hope he can be the same guy when he comes back? I mean, this That's is it. Tough. That's my only thing is I hope he's not out. My two wishes. One, I hope he's not out too long. Right, that's the first one, and then the second one is I hope he's the same, right? Or at least you know reasonably close to being the same, because it would be terrible if like he had this amazing build, suffers a, some kind of traumatic injury, and is able to come back, but it looks like a lesser version of himself. I mean, remember, part of his game, and this is not a knock on him. This is not saying he isn't technical. We all know he quite quite well is, but part of his game is built on athletic ability. It's about leaping into range, getting out of range timing and level changes all of those things are aided by a by good athleticism and a good athletic base that he has remember he kind of hops on his feet like a like a Robert Whitaker a little bit at times if that is at all compromised it will compromise his game how badly I guess we'll have to see so what I really hope is that the layoff is not long and then more importantly he can retain he can retain the athletic advantages that have helped make his game what it is because I'm telling you man if there's any kind of degradation in that 
He's gonna have he's gonna have a hard time. I don't I don't I, I don't I don't know what to make of it other than that. To be quite honest with you. All right, let me ask you a generic question about this event because you nailed it off the top. It was a weird event. I thought you know there's a lot of decisions on the on the undercard and a lot of times look wrestling. It is what it is at the end of the day. Although I think that, like you said, terrible. I think there were a lot of fights where you're like, that's not even UFC level. It was kind of weird, but it's a three month quick turnaround from the last London card where the same three promising fighters, Aspinall, Pimblett, and Molly McCann were on it. In that case, all three hit home runs, and the crowd was, you know, it was coming through your screen to show you the intensity. So I don't, I don't, you know, have anything bad to say about coming back there and forcing another card in, or even going to the level of eventually making London a major down the road. But would you agree with me that this card... Of course, part of that might be the whole hum main event. Sometimes the undercards sizzle. Sometimes they just are blah. But overall, this kind of just, I don't know. There was something magical about the, the fight card three months ago. This felt very forced. And it kind of took away some of that growing, like, UK, UFC magic, Luke. It did, because I, I got to tell you, like, if you watch, like, UK boxing events, they just feel uproarious. In all kinds of ways. They, I don't know. Help me understand, BC. Maybe I'm wrong on this one. But if I am, tell me and tell me what I'm missing. When I watch sometimes these UK boxing events, sometimes the ones before the main event are ho-hum and the crowd's into it or they're not. But, but, once the crescendo of the main event starts where the walkouts begin and then there's the intros and then the fight, it just feels like it all builds to these huge moments. This one felt like, okay, Patty had a big pop for sure we'll talk about him molly had a big pop fair enough there were some other ones that were interesting along the way it just never felt like this one got out of second or third gear for the most part it just kind of it didn't crescendo in that same way and i guess the wrestling i think there was like one stoppage on the on the prelim card and there, you know obviously nathaniel wood had a pretty dominant win over charles rosa but i don't know like am i saying it wrong like why is it that the crowds at the boxing events feel a little bit more vibrant and this one kind of felt yeah. at times good but not the same. And that's kind of what I'm saying. And again, maybe it was the unexciting prelims. Maybe it was the whole hum of the main event. But it didn't have that spark, that energy. And turning around and coming back three months later was obviously built upon capitalizing on that. And they did get the three sort of favored sons and daughters of this UK, you know, movement back in the cage. And like you said, we got two wins. But... I don't know. It felt a little forced, and I'm going to make a statement here. And look, this conversation, I'm sure we're going to talk about Patty and Molly's wins in a second. This conversation is definitely going to come up and have you seen this shit. They almost have their own section of the show. But Luke, this is a comment I've never said before at many an Italian restaurant. Too much meatball. Luke, too much meatball, Luke. And, and I, that's, it's, it's hard to say that and frame it properly and not be looked at as an asshole. I get nice, that. It was, it was a nice win, dude. What was wrong with the win? The win was, we talk, I'm, I, I get to it on extra credit. Like, what was wrong with the win? Maybe it's the placement on the card. You know, she didn't necessarily, she fought one of my favorite fighters, but didn't necessarily fight a main card fighter, so to speak. And again, we'll get into it. Have you seen this shit? But the grandiosity and celebration, Luke, I don't think equaled the triumph or the, I don't know. You know what I mean? She's a great sidekick for the Patty movement. She's put together two exciting wins of her own. She's a legitimate fighter, but I feel like she's getting carried into this, you know, discussion of the takeover when I don't have the same belief in her long-term success or ability as the other two in this conversation. Yeah, I think conversation. that's fair. I, don't, I, I see these wins, and her win over Hannah Goldie was nice. It really was. Like, she was 
from the word go, she was ready to go. And she and, and again, Hannah Goldie is a limited opponent, I think. Well, what did I tell you? I said no head movement. You stand in trade with her, you're getting knocked out, right? Yeah, and also, like, Hannah Goldie has, I, I, I talk about this on Extra Credit, dude. She's, like, real, she's obviously super strong and super athletic, but um, her upper body is, like, it, it's not fluid. Like, there's a certain stiffness to motion where McCann doesn't have Goldie's physique, but she's a little bit more able to flow with it, and, and it stands out for that reason. And so I just felt like she was coming up short constantly. I, I think you're right. I mean, listen, but listen, this is how you build a market. You build a market with people that the fans care about, and sometimes the fans care about the top-level quality, which you know Aspinall didn't show in this particular case, but to this point has shown. Um, Patty, I think this was his best win by far in the UFC and one of his better wins in his career, quite frankly. We'll talk about him in just a minute. And yeah, McCann is fighting you know someone who is probably not long for the UFC, and then and, and how much further can she go? I don't know. But I always try to be the fairest I can be is I can't react to what the fans like or don't like. Like that's a very separate equation. And the UFC is trying to build UK MMA, which I'm further along anyway. And I appreciate that. The win was nice. The win was nice. She did a good job. She executed from the word go. She dispatched an opponent who did not belong in there with her. And she did. She's she joins Ricardo Hamosh as the only other UFC fighter with back-to-back spinning back elbow KOs. Like, dude, that's... I'm not trying to take that. I hear your point that there's people being like, oh, my God, she's going to... She, you know, I, I want Valentina Shevchenko. Yo, she doesn't want Valentina Shevchenko. I don't agree No, she, she called out Antonino, which is probably the right call in her trajectory, Luke. No, no, know? but I saw other people saying, like, oh, she's coming for her. She's coming for her. And I'm like, hey, hey, Yoana, slow your hey. roll. Slow your <laughs> yeah, roll. But, yeah, I but, mean, she did party with Yoana afterwards, Luke. Exactly. So, uh, but what I would say is, did she go in and turn in... Frankly, a very good performance. She did, dude. She did. I don't want to take that from it's her. It's just like, it's like, look, it's like, you know, having a go-to comedic move am- among your friends that you do in public. And it's, you know, it, jumping over the cage, Luke, used to be reserved for, like, Conor McGregor, you know, uh, knocking out Seaver in front of Irish fans in Boston and getting in Jose Aldo's face, right? Or, right. or oh, like... Right. Charles Oliveira finally winning the title and jumping over and going up to Dana and stuff. You you don't get to do that. Or or the, or maybe the London card three months ago where we're here and we're taking it all and all that, you know, yay, okay. You don't get to do that after being Hannah Goldie. Like, you know what I mean, Luke? That's my point. That's my point, okay? Yeah, that's, I, that's, that's not altogether unfair. But at the same time, you know, this was probably going, I mean, you know, these are some of the better days of her life, the better days of her career. Yeah. I, get, I I completely agree. Like you know, if this ain't this ain't this ain't Conor McGregor jumping out and screaming in Aldo's face territory. Not well, it's kind of like if you have a great party trick, you can't bust it out four times a party. It's like you know, if you're a one hit wonder band, <laughs> everyone's only at, at the venue to see you play that one song. You know what I mean? You can't play it more than once. What are you an asshole? You know what I mean, Luke? I mean, I was in a I was in a dance club in Jamaica in 2003, Luke, called Bubbles. It was called that because they'd fill the, the, the whole room up with foam. You'd have, like, a foam party. And, Luke, they played in the club by 50 Cent every half hour. And the DJ would be like, you want me to play it again? And we're like, yeah! And, you know, you could do the math and argue whether I was too old to be in that setting in 2003, and I'm, I'm okay with that, Luke, you know? Bro. But the whole point is, like... I don't know, Luke. Okay, that, that should, maybe I'm just a crusty 44-year-old asshole. We'll, we'll talk more about this. Cer- certainly that tonight. is true. I get your point. I get your point that, like, there's a level of acclaim that's happening that isn't commensurate with the level of difficulty of, uh, and the, the difficulty of achievement. 
Although yeah. I will tell you, I was in Colombia once and I went to this club called La Casa Blanca, like literally the White House. Like that's what they fucking called it, the White House. And inside, all of the staff wore white, all of the walls were painted white, and they shot smoke into the air in every room, which of course ended up being white. And I'm like, I think you guys have taken this bit a little too far. And sure enough, it went out of business. So yeah. fuck bubbles and, and, and fuck also, Blanca. Cocaine is white, Luke. I hope that didn't extend to that. I hope that, there was you, stu- you doing a big joke there with. Colombia? I'm not doing a. I'm not doing a, a, a nationality bit or, or or anything. I'm just saying, like, I hope that wasn't the hook there, Luke. Like Studio 54, you came there to do two things, Luke. Okay, one yeah, of them you know was what, coke. You, you, know, okay? you know what's also white? You, you, you are also white. Just want to point that out. Okay. White as shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. With that in mind, BC. So that's what's up with blades. We're talking about the event more generally. Let's talk about the weird-ass co-main event on top of it. This was another weird one where I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Okay, Jack Hermanson defeats Chris Curtis and did it without a takedown, which I did not think would be possible. I thought for sure he had to get the takedown to win. I was wrong. But BC, Chris Curtis never really cut him off. And at first he was flipping him off when they read the thing and he took to Twitter and he was like, I, was prepared. I should have prepared for a track meet. And then as his emotions settled, he thought better of it and realized that, like, hey, this is the fight game and that's the way that it goes. So, you know, I, I appreciate Chris Curtis um, mentally, I should say, sobering up in that sense. But BC, like, I can't quite make heads or tails of this. Did Jack Hermanson's stock go up or did Chris Curtis's just go down? Both. And I can make easy heads and tails of this because I predicted despite the fact that Hermanson was an underdog and despite that in each category, for the most part, we could have given Curtis the edge on paper. But the reason why I picked Hermanson and the reason why I wasn't surprised that he ultimately won this way is because he needed this win way more than Curtis did. And Luke, if we're being honest about the 35-year-old Curtis, who's been very impressive in sort of having this late run to find out how good he can be, he's been opportunistic of taking advantage of this opportunity, you know, going in there, getting big finishes. I had a feeling Jack was going to be as gritty as possible. And sometimes being gritty when you need to win, Luke, means you're stubborn. Some, we always think of gritty as bite down, go in there and get into a war. This was more about being stubborn. This reminded me of Jan Blahovich getting the boring-ass five-round decision over uh, Ronaldo Souza at a time where he was getting the close-up, the main event, trying to get ready for a title shot. We wanted him to bust through with the Polish power. Instead, he got a boring takedown defense win because for him in that moment, it was survive in advance. For, for Jack in this moment, Luke, it was survive in advance. I don't think it goes negatively against his stock. Look at his run. What was he, 3-3 three and three in his last six? All against pretty damn good competition. At his age, given how good he is comparative to the record he's had of late, he needed to find a way to win. He found that way. I think you can be uh, dismissive of Curtis not yeah, like you said, not realizing the circumstances, leaning more into the middle finger, why aren't you going to fight me, rather than figuring out a way to get it done. The, because of the way Jack fought against Strickland, made it so close on the feet without needing the wrestling because it got taken from him, uh, I knew this was possible, and I'll give him credit, Luke. He pulled it out. He was stubborn as shit. He doesn't care if you were entertained. This wasn't what this is about. This is about getting another fight night main event. This is about climbing the rankings. This is about getting to that title shot. He did what he had to do. I'm sorry it was a boring-ass co-main, and maybe it played into the overall letdown feeling of this card. But, Luke, you know, he had a, he had a more exciting guy in front of him who could do more things. He just played the angles, was gritty, and, and got it done, dude. I, I take my head off to him. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you're going to win fans or, or whatever, but sometimes it's about winning, Luke. I'll say this. I thought, here's where I was wrong. I thought that for Hermanson to win, it's not that he couldn't win with striking. 
but that it was sort of like Frankie Edgar-ish, where it has to be combined with the wrestling as a dual threat for both of them to do what they want to be able to do. And that wasn't the case here. I will give credit to Chris Curtis. It is true that the Hadolfo Vieira fight was a good warm-up in the sense of takedown defense. Jack Hermanson could not get a takedown. In fact, he went 0 for 6. Good job by Chris Curtis stuffing the takedown. He clearly was prepared for that. I will also say I thought Jack Hermanson did a really great job with rhythm disruption. He was going first. He was maintaining distance. He was you throwing that high kick to occupy the left hand of Chris Curtis constantly, right? And then the lateral movement and everything. He was doing enough where Chris Curtis couldn't get into a rhythm and a flow state. He did have some decent body work, which he always does, but he couldn't really make a lot of effective use of it by virtue of the fact that he didn't cut off the cage at all. He was kind of following and chasing a little bit rather than throwing sort of strategic low kicks in, in, in ways that would limit the potential movement side to side of Jack Hermanson. And so Jack Hermanson did exactly what he needed to. He was on his horse. It was effective lateral movement. It was good rhythm disruption. It was good range management. If you had told me, could he do that for 15 minutes ahead of time, I would have, before the fight, I would have expressed some skepticism about that. I would have expressed, I don't know, I think that Chris Curtis probably would have been able to cut him off. Now, I think about it, like, why didn't Chris Curtis do it? Maybe that's not one of his stronger skill sets. He seems to be a little bit more boxing-based than kickboxing-based as a striker. Something else to think about, BC, is he does have one fight in the grander UFC octagon when he fought on the Usman Covington card when he fought Phil Hawes. But Phil Hawes was kind of like a come-forward sort of guy. Right. He didn't have to chase him down. The other fights that he has are in the apex, which is the smaller octagon. We go back to this all the time, man. There is a real difference, not for every fighter every time, but for many fighters many times, if your only experience is in the, in the practice room on an open mat or the small cage, you don't, you don't have the right training or the background in terms of what you might need for the big cage in learning how to cut off and really understanding that as a priority. Jack Hermanson has a lot of experience, big cage, small cage, at home, wherever. So he was really able to make nimble use of this. It was, it was not necessarily all that entertaining, I could tell from them what the fans were saying, but it was very effective. I, I don't, here's the thing, BC, and I'm not trying to bag on uh, Jack Hermanson. He proved he could do something I didn't think he could do, and I'm acknowledging I was wrong right up front. However, did you get the sense that the guys he's lost to, by virtue of this performance, you think he can now beat? That I did not come up with. Not, I mean, not necessarily. Did he show enough striking prowess to, yeah, to make that leap? No, but he 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 figured out a striking plan that would work, and he stuck with it. So, again, it was it was about surviving and advancing. And I think Curtis, you you broke it down from a technical standpoint, but I also think it's a mental standpoint. I think he was playing with house money. I think he was, you know, kind of happy to be there. Everything, you know, everything was starting to come together, and he just thought it would come to him. And he would figure it out like he'd done of late. And when it when it didn't, he didn't have the the plan B and the adjustments necessary. So uh, I think it's more praise for Jack in my breakdown than than negative praise. You know, the negative comments at Curtis, but it is somewhat equal in that regard. And I like your you know bringing rhythm disruption into the into the vernacular of this show, Luke. I haven't seen rhythm disruption like that in, ex- when they except for when they had long dialogue in adult films in the 90s. You know, I'm glad they got rid of those parts, right, Luke? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I never understand about adult films is why everyone breathes through their teeth. You ever notice that? 
<laughs> uh, no, but I'll look out for it uh, one day. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, I was more, uh, you know, I, see, I was a big Cinemax and Showtime and HBO guy like most 13-year-olds, Luke. I mean, you remember Night Eyes, 1, 2, and 3 with Andrew Stevens and Shannon Tweed. Luke, what a franchise, Can't right? say that I do. I do remember Red Shoe Diaries, but I don't remember that. All right. A lot of people out there definitely just woke up and, you know, did the DiCaprio meme of, you know, BC, I was there with you, right? Not in the same room. That'd be a little awkward. All right, they, so BC, they got it, you got Jack Hermanson sitting at eight. Hard to say exactly where he might go from here in terms of the ranking because Chris Curtis was coming in off short notice and is not ranked, and then Darren Till... Where's Till sitting at? He was sitting at nine. So this was eight versus nine, or at least it was supposed to be, I should say, eight versus nine. Here's the problem. Number seven is Sean Strickland, who recently, recently-ish, beat Jack Hermanson. So if you're Jack Hermanson, I get your point. Okay, I didn't, I didn't lose to an... It would have been, to, to the point you raised, it would have been real bad for Jack Hermanson from a ranking standpoint, at a bare minimum, to lose to an unranked guy. But the guys ahead of him, B.C., Sean Strickland, Paulo Costa, Alex Pereira, Derek Brunson, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, Robert Whitaker. I don't know if what which one of those he's going to get. Sean Strickland just got KO'd, already has a win over him. I'll Paulo tell Costa you. has. Let me real quickly. Let me, go, let me run through it. Paulo Costa has the bout with Luke Rockhold coming up. We'll see how that goes. Pereira obviously is going to fight Izzy at some point. I guess Brunson is sitting out there. That's one you no. could potentially do. No. Vittori, I don't know. Cannonier no. just lost, and then Whitaker is going to fight Vittori. Sorry, Vittori and Whitaker are going to fight in. Paris or soon thereafter, wherever that's supposed to be. What, what, what happens next? He should fight Darren Till because Darren Till's name is much stronger than his recent track record and proven ability of late, especially since moving up to middleweight. You get a win over Darren, or you get to fight Darren Till, it's probably going to be a main event, maybe even be in Europe, you know? He's been pushing to get on the Sweden card coming up. I mean, I'd like that as the main event. The whole point here is that Darren Till is a little bit of a celebrity still at this point. I think that that's more valuable to him than trying to move a little bit higher and fight the next ranked name who's coming off a loss, who's got some... No, fight Till. I still think it's a matchup that 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 to some degree he can do well in, Luke, and uh, I think it's more it's more valuable to get a win at this point over a name like that than anything else. I mean, you know, he could fight Brunson, but we all kind of consider Brunson's now going the other way, Luke. Although he did... He did have a nice win streak there for a while, um, but it did get derailed. Uh, fair enough. Okay. Uh, the, uh, how about this one, though? One more of these. A couple more of these, actually. What about a, a Jack Hermanson versus the guy who won big at UFC 276 over uh, Uriah Hall? What about Andre Muniz? Andre Muniz. You could. Look, grappler, you could. You kind of have grappler-grappler there a little I bit. I mean, it's not like Jack is in a position... Uh, where he has a lot of leverage in this regard, but that kind of feels like a step back, Luke. He wants to get back in. He wants to make noise, Luke. You fight Muniz, you're kind of probably buried, you know, like second fight in the main card on a fight night somewhere. You know, you fight till you're the main event, Luke, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Okay, fair enough. Uh, All right, BC. So let's now talk about the guy who I frankly thought was the star of the show, right? At least it turned out that way. Patty Pimblett. This was a good win by him. This was a very good win by him. I, I, I had debated, and I think you did on Friday. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to pick him. I'm not sure how much confidence. I think both of us in the end decided Pimblett was the guy. He secures a second-round rear-naked choke victory over Jordan Levitt. You could maybe argue Pimblett or Levitt won the first round based on Levitt not doing a lot of damage but having a lot of control. But let's ask the question this way, BC. What did Patty Pimblett prove on Saturday? I think he continued to prove coming off of the submission win in the last fight, something that I sort of speculated. Because, look, you and I were a little bit negative toward him when he launched on the scene. We, 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 we saw and tasted and smelled much more hype than 
actual product. We saw the opening and vulnerabilities and danger signs. But something happened since then, Luke. Two straight wins in which he was able to show a different side of him, more well-rounded side of him. But I think if you look specifically on this camp and this fight, he came in in elite, world-class, almost championship-level shape. So, Luke, I do think it was a little bit of sort of like negative fool's gold that we built, uh, that we bid upon when he came and made this debut. Because he was talking such a big game, almost McGregor-like to a degree, and because he showed the vulnerabilities, we're like, oh, dude, he's going to get stopped when he finally gets in there. He might be something I speculated last week, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? You know, he might be a lot better than he may have shown. You know, and some of that may be nerves. Some of that may be he just got in, tried a little bit too hard to land the big thing and got, you know, beat up a little bit in the first fight but got the comeback win. It seems to be part of his DNA to figure out how to come back after somebody takes an early advantage. That just may be who he is. But, Luke, it took me, you know, the last week in progress to do it but after this fight, I've come around. He's a lot better than I gave him credit for potentially being coming in. I'm really excited, given given the potential of his marketing side, what he actually could be. I still don't know. We we you know, there's still no way to know. It's incremental, right? And he's going to get probably a continued incremental push. I don't think you're going to see him, you know, against a top ten guy tomorrow. But he's backing it up, Luke, and he's tough as shit. And if he can handle himself on the ground like he did the last two fights against higher level opponents to offset the magic that he brings to the striking game with his, you know, intention and power. Yeah, he, he, could, he could actually live up to it and be a real thing, Luke. You know what I'm saying? I mean, where, as it looks right now, could he be Darren Till? You're damn right he could, Luke. He could be him. He could be on that level. He could get there. Is I don't that know if he's enviable, gonna... How enviable position do you perceive? Well, let me ask you this. Darren Till once fought for a title. He's still a celebrity in there. He still fights only elite guys for the most part. What I'm saying is I'm now in my own personal where is Patty Pimblett's ceiling. I'm pushing up the roof a little bit more. And he's showing me in the right sort of incremental step-ups that, that, that he, may be, he may be pretty damn good, Luke. And I, I'm, I'm, I may not always be here for the, the shtick. And I get a lot of people DM me saying, BC, it ain't a shtick. This is what guys like him, where they're from, that's who they are. Okay, that's cool, right? Guys like from this factory town, that's who we are, all right? Pieces of shit. No. Um, so, you know, that just may be who he is, but the shtick doesn't always win me over. But here's the key, Luke. The fighting is actually starting to win me over. Speak to that, Mr. Technical. Right, Luke? He's not that bad, dude. He's pretty damn good. He, uh, well, this, again, so this was in some ways a tough matchup because you had another kind of tricky grappler. And in other ways, it was an advantageous matchup because... Two things. One, as we had noted, Jordan Levitt doesn't typically bring that like physical intensity to the bout. He's much more of a like he has that inverted triangle over Matt Sales that was he just kind of trickily applied. Um, so he doesn't bring necessarily the same physical intensity, and he's not really much of a striking threat at this stage. And in fact, there were times where he was throwing, and Patty was kind of flat-footed. To me, the bigger questions about the striking defense of Patty's game were not answered here at all. They weren't even really questioned one way or the other. But you. you to just dismiss that because he got a nice grappling win, to me, is very foolish. I would not I would not do that. Until he really answers it against someone who can try to put it on him in that way, the, 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 the questions linger, number one. The second thing I'd say, though, is um, I thought this was a very good win in the way that he finally got it, where he kind of had that half-like choke applied from the side of a failed takedown attempt 
is able to get his hook in, trap the arm, and then cinch the other arm on the other side, and then fully lock in the choke. That was very, very nice. Now, we've always known that Patty has good back attacks. I talked about it on Friday. He's known for taking the back and his good back attacks. They're only getting better. That part of his grappling game is very good. Very, very good. This Again, that's a real nice win that he got. However, if we're being fair, the amount of control time that a guy who's not really in like a drive-forward wrestler in the way that Jordan Levitt is... You know, I didn't love that so much. He got three and a half minutes of control time, and Patty stuffed a bunch of takedowns in that first round, He, uh, but but Levitt got three of them in the first round and some decent control time. It's like, dude, against a guy who's like, like a real good wrestler in this division, that's not a great sign per se, to be honest with you. Now, the flip side of that argument, BC, is, well, he endured it. He didn't get into too much trouble, and by the time that guy tried it in the second round, having gassed himself... He took his back and choked him out. Fair enough, dude. Again, he beat a qual- he beat the very best opponent I think he's beaten in the UFC by a landslide and maybe one of the better fighters in all of his career. It's a nice win. But I think people are making a little bit of a mistake to say the win was nice for some very identifiable reasons. Therefore, we can forget about all of the other lingering questions that didn't really go answered here in this contest by virtue of how nice the win is. I would caution strongly against that. That seems like a big mistake. I I don't think we should make. Well, don't don't misinterpret my sudden turn of optimism and even slight favor to me saying that all the, you know, check marks, all the all the I's and T's have been hand. No. But I had a pretty to be fair, Luke, upon his arrival, I had a pretty low expectation of who we can actually become. So maybe it's a course correction. That, that, you know, a self-course correction, and I think it is, but he's starting to win over in the cage, and that's where it's going to matter the most, Luke, okay? And for yeah, me, well, can... first, of, first of all, again, I want to say this. He survived all the wrestling attempts. He never got into too big of trouble, and eventually when that guy tried to keep doing it, he choked him out from there. Like, that's a very important thing, but you can't look the other way on some of the bigger striking questions, and you can't look the other way that, like, the takedown defense, not as ironclad as it needs to be. If you Here's the thing. If you really want Patty to be able to contend, like this is, let me be, let me go back to this here very quickly, uh, if I can, BC. So this fight, as it took place, right? This was a lightweight contest. Ask me what Armin Saryukian and Mateus Gamrot are going to do to Patty Pembler, right? That's who we're talking about. And those guys, Mateus Gamrot's inside the top ten. Armin Saryukian is not. Like this is what I'm talking about. If you want him to be able to contend with those guys. There is a lot of development that has yeah. to happen before you can get there. His slickness on the back cannot be understated. He is very good in finding the back, attacking from the back, and finishing from there. He's legit, 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 legit. But I'm trying to tell you, look at all the other motherfuckers in front of him in this division. You need to see more than what you saw to give you confidence against the Saryukians, the Kutateladzis, the Gamrots of the world. I think I think that's pretty fair, is it? Yeah, no, definitely. And obviously the 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 built-in inevitability is that he's too popular not to start matching him sooner than later against elite foes, but as long as they can stretch this out, giving him the ability against the right incremental opponents to stretch out his own game and add to it, maybe it's a longer play whereas in the beginning I thought it was a short play let, let, let's throw this firecracker in the middle and let it self-combust and we'll all enjoy it now Luke I think it's a little bit of a longer play and, and although that rarely happens in UFC matchmaking 
again, this might be the guy to, to do it, right? The, you know, you, that market, he could be the face of it. And maybe with Aspinall's injury, where Aspinall had a much further ceiling than the three of them from the UK that keep showing up on these cards in terms of potential title opportunities, maybe him taking a step back with injury is going to make the need for Patty to show that he really is that good uh, even more importantly, Luke, I mean, you know, I saw the little exchange uh, of him afterwards saying, man, I'm my dream. I can't wait to have John Anik call my fight. How far away are we from that? I- I'm not necessarily not talking about the level of step up in competition, more about the placement. How do you promote him moving forward, Luke? I think you continue to, to give. Listen, they are matchmaking him appropriately. The first two guys, they wanted to see exactly what they had. The, the Kazula Vargas and even forget the other guy who he fought. Um, they were appropriate fights. They were a little bit overmatched, but they got his feet warm. This was a good test. Jordan Levitt is a tricky grappler, and Patty Pimlet choked him out from the back in the second round. That's a nice win. That's a real nice win. All I'm pointing out is you need several more of those steps before you're at... Dude, at number... Listen, listen to who 11 through 15 is in this division. Tony Ferguson, Conor McGregor, which... Okay, I mean, I realize that you know those fights are not <laughs> imminent or anything, but... You got Jalen Turner sitting at 14, Armin Soyukian at 10, Demir Ismagulov at 15. Dude, those guys are ahead of him, and they're ahead of him by a considerable distance. All I'm trying to ask people to do is, you sh- it's, it is possible, and I think the right way to look at it is, to appreciate this dude beat a very tricky grappler by taking that guy's best effort, letting him tire himself out, not really getting a whole lot with it, and then finishing him off in the second round. That's nice, dude. You can't take that from him. That's nice. That is not evidence that he is ready for the Saryukians, for the Ismagulovs of the world. There are a few more steps. To answer the question, I do think he'll be on pay-per-view cards. What I think they're going to do is probably put him on, like, main event of the prelims to start or something like that, right? Like somewhere ABC. where it's a, ABC, exactly. Yeah. He's, like, perfect for that. Because, listen, the fans love him. He is exciting. He's three fights in the UFC. Three finishes, right? Like, this dude is out there giving you what they're asking him to do. There's no reason to not lean into that. But yeah. that is not the same thing as saying, oh, he's ready to fight Armin Saryukian. No, that's, like, not where we're at at all. And I just want folks to understand, everyone develops at their own pace. Everyone develops in their own time. Give him the space to develop so he can be the best that he can be, and then maybe fight guys like that, and then maybe beat guys like that, and maybe who the hell knows how far he can go. That's all I'm saying. Also, BC, we should note that post-fight speech he made was incredible, truly incredible. It would be very dishonorable of us to not talk about it. Michael Bisping puts the microphone in his face, and you know we didn't want to say, and he notes he had lost a friend to suicide. He, he talked about how men, in particular need to be more open with their feelings and talk about things, and this is something we're not doing enough of. I thought that was uh, smart of him to say. I thought that was insightful of him to say, and I thought kind of brave, to be honest, for him to say something like that. I fully agree with you. I mean, obviously it came about 90 seconds after he stuck his ball bag on on, uh, <laughs> on Levitt's face. So, you know, you do take with a little grain of salt, although, sure. you know, we, we all have multiple sides to us. But, yeah, to take that platform in that moment and instead of, you know, calling out somebody exciting that he thinks he can beat or whatever, talking about his after party, to take that stand and share something that's heavy on his heart. But, you know, look, I mean... You know, we got corny T-shirts for pregame preview that say real talk like men do. You know what real talk is among men? Sharing those feelings, asking your, you know, your buddy, your brother, your best friend, how are you really doing? So anytime that stigma can get overturned, whether it's people like Moore Ronaldo fighting the good fight, shout out to him, or, or, you know, even us with this platform, Luke, yeah, 
I'm behind that. And, and you know, that does... It's funny, you know, if that's a battle he wants to fight publicly, it's, it's going to make him a babyface in the fans' eyes just as much as his ability to get into skirmishes and kind of rally and come from behind also does, Luke. I mean, some people are going to come just for the hair and the dancing and the trash talk, but he has legitimate grassroots to potential to be a, a true full-on babyface as it comes to pay-per-view marketing and who he may become commercially down the road because of some of these things, Luke. You fight through challenges and get through, people are going to love you. You stand up for something that not everybody's talking about when they should, like this topic, you're also going to win people over, rightfully so, Luke. Yeah, no doubt about it. And listen, you, I, I saw people going after him being like, oh, he once said this on Twitter and he once said that on Twitter. And it's like, I'm not telling you any one of us has to be fully accepted for all the things we've said or done, but that message... That message he delivered and the and the platform that he used to deliver it is going to be incredibly helpful for someone out there. Even if it saves one person, mission accomplished. And I just hope folks really understand. I'm not I'm in a sport where I see the world differently than most of the other people in the sport. But that doesn't mean that we we can never find common ground. That doesn't mean that we have to always say, well, because they're different we can't like them and, or vice versa. What we have to do is find important ways, not so much to like some bullshit kumbaya come together thing, but what I mean to say is here is an important message that could apply to a lot of different people in a lot of different contexts. It would be foolish to try and judge someone on the totality of who they are and then disregard this message as a consequence. Accept the message for what it is, which is helpful, smart, brave of him to do it, and frankly, rather insightful as well. I commend him for it. It was. It took big balls to do that. After, to your point, he had already leaned him on Jordan Levitt. After he got a nice win, that was a. That, he was the star of the show. Would you agree? Like of anybody who delivered on expectations, and then, frankly, I would say with that post-fight speech, exceeded them. Patty Pimblett came off a plus on Saturday night. Yeah, and look, I'm happy to be wrong on some of these things with him, Luke. So it makes me very excited to see him again, see what the level of competition is, see what the setting is, given that he's getting a lot of eyeballs. Um, Yeah, I'm intrigued to find out who he's going to fight next, Luke. And no, it can't, dude, it can't be like Saryukin or Gamera. Let's give him time to develop. Luke, so I'm sorry, at the end of the day, no matter what job or situation you're in, if you can sell, if you can, if you're marketable or whatever, or if you're good looking, I mean, there's all these factors that come in. You're going to get advantages. He's going to get built-in advantages because of his personality and the the show that he puts on. I don't think we should always look at that as negative necessarily, Luke. As long as you're you're if that if that advantage that you're getting is slower matchmaking, it is what it is, Luke. All right. They got a ranking system. Doesn't mean they go by it when they pick out who gets the next title shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it is and what also it is. here's what folks also fail to realize: the promoter can do you favors and sometimes should do you favors. On that level, we both agree. But you would also agree, probably right, BC, that at some point they can't. At some point, there is only so much help that the promoter can give you. The rest of that job, again, when that time comes, is up to the fighter. I talk about this all the time. They're like, "Well, Connor never fought Edgar." Dude, they played Connor exactly the right way. They gave him enough time, enough time, enough time to work on his game, work on his game, work on his game, promote, have big wins before he ended up taking the Chad Mendes fight where, where he was injured anyway, and he wins it. Then he has the Aldo fight and whatever. But the point is, once he got to that and the Eddie Alvarez's and everything, 
there was no going back. There were, no, were going to be no easy fights after that. There were going to be no, we can hide you in this corner of the top ten or hide you in this corner of the top five. At some point, that, cha- that train comes to a stop. So my only like entreaty to the fans would be is for folks who are like, oh, why is he fighting someone better, blah, 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 this is all bullshit. At, at some point, he will have to. At some point, he will have to. But that's not right now. Yeah. He doesn't need it right now. Chill out. And, let him develop. And let's be fair. How much you like a particular fighter's character or the shtick they put out does fuel at the end of the day whether you think they should get advantages or not because of these same things. So if it's a fighter that we don't like their shtick or we don't think they're that good, we might say the complete opposite. But at the end of the day, it's a business, dude. It's a business. It's entertainment. All right? So, it, it, you know. Let's right. see. Let's With see that in mind, got. BC, let's talk about, well, and we, I, on extra credit, we'll get to Gustafson, which kind of is in, along the lines of the conversation we're about to have now. Let's talk about Bellator, Bellator 283. Now, there were some high notes, for sure, at Bellator 283. In fact, Jason Jackson uh, defeats Douglas Lima via unanimous decision, I believe. I don't, I don't think it was split. I don't have it in front of me. But, um, okay, this is the fourth loss in a row for Douglas Lima. And at first, it was up a weight class to Musasi. Okay, not the end of the world. Then it was to Amosov back at welterweight, but Amosov appears to be incredible, so that's not the end of the world. Then it was to MVP, and you're like, okay, he previously beat MVP, but MVP has improved. But now it's Jason Jackson, who is no scrub, but not a guy who has been in that same atmosphere as the previous three, and he still loses. And he came out in the first round, BC, with blistering leg kicks. I'm like, okay, this is better. But then Jason Jackson got the takedown. Douglas Lima locked up full guard. And that was basically the bout from there. So the question is, is it time for Douglas Lima to hang it up? Always a tough question in this spot. Always hard to make that statement when somebody isn't getting the crap kicked out of him. And he did not get the crap kicked out of him in this fight. But the lifelessness is a is a pattern, and it's a bad pattern. And let's look back on the end of Tyron Woodley's run, you know? It's like we always want to rescue people when they're taking too much damage. But sometimes people are taking too much damage in fights that they're competitive. He's not. He's not competitive. The second you're right, his back hit the canvas, it's sort of like he just got triggered and went back into, you know, no urgency. Uh, all right, I'll just sit here until the end of the round mode which is only going to get you hurt in the long run on the elite level. So should he walk away, I think he should take time as anyone in the spot where they're not too old, there's still something there, but if that something isn't fueled with legitimate desire, then you're just going through the motions, you're putting yourself in a position to get hurt, and also for the whole entertainment promotion side of it, you're putting out kind of duds like this. Now, it doesn't mean Jason Jackson didn't work hard, lead into his strengths, and didn't and isn't the reason that Lima got suffocated in the end. He was. Jason Jackson is ready for a title shot. He's on a six-fight win streak. But unless Lima wants to take time off and then, you know, try a resurrection at middleweight or seek out only fights against big names, unless it's something like that, but remember, a time off in between should be there, right? You should sit back, rest your mind and your body, and really ask yourself those serious questions of, do I actually want to do this anymore? If there's not going to be that break then no, he shouldn't fight again. Because these are these are warning, these are major warning signs. Failure to launch. These are major warning signs. This is not a sport to be lingering when you're when you don't have that same drive to get yourself through it, right? When when trouble comes. And he's still good enough not to take beatings. He didn't take a beating here, although he got cut up. I I watched the fight, obviously. But 
you know, no, it's going to need a time off. It's going to be a look in the mirror that's necessary. I don't think he looked in that mirror the last few fights, Luke. I don't know personally. I'm not trying to take shots at him, but I'm saying it seems in, in retrospect like it was a little bit more like, oh, let's ignore this. Let's try to do something to, to get us back going again and get back to this level. Well, that's something didn't work, okay? So now it's, it's, it's the important crossroads moment for Lima, uh, but I think you should take some time because running right back into a, a fight at middleweight or what have you, what, there's nothing to gain here right now, okay? There's nothing to gain. You're gonna, there's going to be this all over again, or you're going to get in a war with somebody you shouldn't, okay? So, yeah, Luke, it's tough talk time for Lima, a guy who I love and respect. And just like two years ago, you know, we were legitimately saying, is he among the two or three best fighters in the world at this weight class? And I think he was, Luke. He's not that guy anymore. So I have a few thoughts on this. I think generally I share your analysis, and I think it was it's well said the way you said it. I think what I would add, BC, is um, a couple of things. I have talked to fighters who retired, uh, and everyone's got their own little journey about the end and what it looks like and whatnot. But I've talked to some where they said at the time they, they didn't realize it was the end or didn't know it was the end. And then after they retired, they were like, oh, yeah, I was done long before that. I just didn't didn't. Not, not even so much in denial. They just, they didn't even, they, they couldn't put themselves in a spot to realize it. You have to understand something about these guys, right? That's one thing that always surprises the fans is how sensitive the fighters are to, to like verbal criticism. And it's like, how can that be, right? Because they're the toughest guys on earth. I'm not, not Douglas Lima per se, but sort of generally speaking. But you got to remember something, man. These guys live and die in their own minds, right? In their minds to do the stuff they have to do. And like, oh, I like getting up to train. But like, that's somewhat simplistically stated. They have to, in tough spots, for years, for years, they have to brainwash themselves. They have to brainwash themselves that they can push through a workout, that they can push through pain, they can push through what might be a promotional entity not getting their back, or some media figure saying something mean about them, or the fans lighting them up on Twitter, or whatever, whatever the difficulty may be. And they do this for months on end, and then years on end, and then sometimes in the case of Douglas Lima, for more than a decade plus, they have convinced themselves over time that that's how their mind should speak to them. And, of course, you do want to give yourself positive affirmation, but they do it to an extreme degree to where the point where the results don't match it, they don't know how to square that. They don't know, they don't know how to understand their, themselves anymore between what their brain is telling them and what their body is showing them. And I think it tells you that there can be a gap between those in interesting ways. There's actually some research that sort of indicates that the body sometimes knows about trauma and doesn't want to experience it and before the mind fully cognizantly recognizes that. And I think that, you know, who knows if that's where we are, but it sort of feels something similar is happening here where he is trying to will himself past these moments. And again, I agree with you. Take time off and then reassess, and then we'll see where we are, and then you can make a better call. Like, at a bare minimum, Gustafson taking off two years, I thought was the right idea. Take some time off, see how you feel. It didn't work out, but that was probably not a bad idea to do it in the way that he did it. I think that's the first thing I would say is that it's very hard for them to recognize when the end is here because all they've ever had is go, yes, you can do it, you can power through, you're the best, you can do it. That is hard to unwind after 15 plus years of having that wash over your brain. The second thing I'd say is BC, and you know this from boxing as well, like what are the signs when someone is done? It's when they don't really throw back, right? They just, they're a little bit here or there. They're moving around. They might be defensively shelling up. They don't really throw back. Here's what's kind of funny, man. Go watch Douglas Lima's fight with Ben Askren back when Bellator was run by Bjorn Rebney back in the aughts. Now, he gets taken down and controlled in that fight. But, dude, like, 
Douglas Lima is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He was aggressively hunting submissions on Ben Askren in that fight. Dude, here he just locked up full guard and didn't do really anything with it. This is a guy who has a good, a very good guard, a legitimate black belt in jiu-jitsu, has had it for some time, and he's not really attacking from there. That's a bad sign to me. That's a bad sign about the kinds of things you should be seeing. So I think I share your assessment generally, which is let's take some time off, figure something else out, and then when you know enough time has passed where you can really begin to grapple with what's happening, make a call one way or the other. But, dude, if he keeps going like this, he's not getting beat up now, but yeah. he will if he keeps going. And, look, burnout is real, and it's, it's also hard to walk away when you were the three-time champion, just won the – it's not that long ago he won that Grand, World Grand Prix. And then, you know, to, to – I mean, in this – there's two title fights in this four-fight losing streak. So he's so close to the top still that it is hard – but now you got four losses in a row. Now it's time to look internally. And it reminds me of the end of Sugar Rashad Evans' UFC career, Luke, having talked so many times with him introspectively on the air in my old podcast and, and times of this one of like, you know, he's it's like something's wrong. I don't know what it is. I can't figure it out. But yet, yet I feel when I walk in there like everything's going to go right and then it goes wrong and I can't do what I thought I was going to do. And yeah, it's a major warning sign. I mean, I don't want to see Douglas Lima take two, three more losses to figure this out. I want to see him figure it out right now. And look, you know, maybe a year and a half later, he may come back reborn at a higher weight class, have success, figure it all out. I mean, it, this, is, this is a great fighter we're talking about. He's just he's, He is not fighting great anymore, though. So... Um, Shout out to Jason Jackson, though. We can't let that go by, Luke. It's, it's, no, no, it's, yeah, I was going to get It's it. title talk or nothing now. You heard him in that post-fight interview. Right. So here's the thing, though. This is the problem for Jason Jackson. Amosov, who is Ukrainian, is no longer on the front lines. He's back in Germany training, which is good news. Great to hear that. But you've got interim champion, so to speak, Logan Storley, who's out there. Storley and Jackson, for folks who don't know, are teammates and, like, friends, by the way. So what's going to happen? Because you would imagine they're going to, by the way, if you never saw it, oh, you are in for a treat. One of the best Bellator fights I've ever seen in terms of the wrestling and the scrambling. Amosov versus Storley 1 is fucking incredible. So I guess they're going to run that back. Or what, BC? Are they going to wait for Amosov and maybe have Storley defend his interim title against Jackson? How's this going to work? Well, Jackson's words before and also after this fight, we're pretty consistent. He loves Logan Storley. They're great teammates. They're both willing to fight each other. They'd prefer it be for the full title. So I think in this case, and that's the right spot, that's the right attitude to have, Luke. Because if you're going to be in a, on a super team, and they both are, you're going to run into people in your division, in your promotion. It's going to happen, okay? And, and you hate to see when it breaks up teammates and friends and all that. And uh, uh, I, I do think with Amasov back in camp already and and or back working out and you know what do you think three four month camp uh, uh, with that if it's that short of a turnaround here you make the Storley fight in my opinion I think it's better for them potentially as friends too Luke and then hey if Storley wins the rematch against Amosov and you're not needing an immediate trilogy if there's not any circumstances connected to it then then it's Storley versus Jason Jackson and that's the deal but um He's in a great spot, and I even liked, even with Big John pushing him and saying, okay, well, what if you had to fight somebody else? And he's like, well, look, MVP's busy, so there's nobody else. I agree with him. There is nobody else, Luke. I don't know how quickly MVP can turn around from a bare-knuckle pay-per-view against Mike Perry, but I think that's the right way to go. Run back the rematch. Jackson gets next. Let's do it. I think that's right. I would agree. Uh, a good win from Jason Jackson, but as good as it was, best name on his resume, I would argue by far, 
there's still a little bit more to prove, right? And so we're getting back to that Curtis Blades conversation. It was good. He did his job. Fair enough. But he didn't prove in this one that we can affirmatively, affirmatively declare he's like, oh, he's going to give Amosov all kinds of trouble. I think something in between has to happen or he's got to wait for a while, which sucks. But yeah. that's kind of the reality of things. Um, um, BC, I, how about the... Yeah. Okay, so we said Pimblet was the star of the show at UFC London. I'll tell you who the star of the show was for me at Bellator 283. It was Usman Nurmagomedov who made short fucking work of Chris Gonzalez. And I saw people being like, oh, he's a can. Chris Gonzalez is not a can. He is a former wrestler himself out of Team Alpha Male, a physical specimen. Usman Nurmagomedov is just that good. But here's the funny thing, right? You had Sidney Outlaw, who was supposed to fight Patricky Pitbull for the title. He ended up taking a short notice contest against Tofik Musayev. Musayev ran through Sidney Outlaw, who is, as it stands today, the number one ranked Bellator lightweight contender uh, sitting there. He just made him look like he was nothing. Musayev has a win in Ryzen over Patricky Pitbull. So, BC, who should be next? The Bellator newcomer who got the win over the number one contender? Or Usman Nurmagomedov, who should fight Patriki next? I think it should be Tofik Mosayev, and I don't oh. think there's a, I don't think there's a concrete answer. You can debate either way, and Bellator's got an interesting scenario in front of them. And by the way, part of the reason why I say Jason Jackson wait for the full title is what just happened to Sidney Outlaw, supposed to fight for the title as you mentioned, right. instead wants to stay on the card and get the payday and stay busy after putting the camp power. You know, more power to him, by the way. Only they brought in a debuting hammer in Tofik Musayev, and he lived up to that in what twenty or thirty seconds. I mean, it was it was a so here's the deal. He's he's kind of hot right now. And with that storyline of him having been the last guy to beat Patricky, I say you do that, Luke, because here's the deal. This is really uh, Nurmagomedov stepping up to a, to a good level for the first time. Slow roll that a little bit, okay? And if it ends up being Nurmagomedov versus Tofik Musayev, then, then, you know, there's a few different hammers that are going to collide there, Luke. So I, I think it's still a little bit... It's like you were running out of time for Usman Nurmagomedov. There, it's like, what else could you give him here? He looks to be better than everybody in the division, more or less. You know what I mean? And this is a division that could have AJ McKee in it. So long term, yeah, I want to see that fight. Believe it. But... Mosayev has that in, and that's having beaten him. And could you ask for a better debut than stopping the number one contender in 23 seconds or whatever? No. So I'm okay with waiting just a little bit longer. But, yeah, Usman Magomedov so far is everything we say he is, Luke. I don't see how you can watch this, watch these fights, and not see that he's going to get there soon enough. So uh, no need to rush it, Luke. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. New CBS Monday, NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 
Fair enough. You don't have to rush it. I guess I'm more interested in his upside, given his undefeated <clears> record, <throat> although Messiah has fought many more times, and so that's going to naturally probably produce more visibility around his deficiencies. But you can see the highlight here. The outside trip to the ankle pick to the front headlock with the underhook to the power guillotine, or some folks call it a ninja choke, and the way in which he did it is just, it's just the timing on that is remarkable. The control is remarkable. And Musayev looked good against Sidney Outlaw, dispatched him. I, 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 the fight barely lasted any length of time. In fact, I have it here. He defeated him at 27 seconds of round number one. Sidney Outlaw had nothing for Futik, uh, Tufik Musayev. So to, for, because there's history there, I could see the argument. He came in unranked, but that's not really telling the full story, obviously. So if they want to do a rematch between Musayev and Pitbull in Bellator and then give Nurmagomedov like one more guy to really sort of like just be sure, I wouldn't hate it. But I'm telling you now, I, you, 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 you and I have been largely in agreement about this. I think Usman Nurmagomedov is going to wear gold around his waist sooner or later, maybe this year at the latest 2023. As good as Musayev is, and he's very good, Nurmagomedov is awesome at this. He's 24? He is so gifted. Yeah, and 24 years old. He's a hammer. He, he may end up winning title belts in multiple promotions, Luke. Who knows? Who the heck knows, dude? He might. Uh, all right, that is it for our top five, BC, but we are not done, obviously. Now is the time when the fans get to ask us questions. It's time for old DMs from the diggity donks. Uh, hee-haw. Hee-haw. All right, let's we've, burn through these if we can. We've got mail. Viewers. Did they play the? Did they play it? I can. We, we can I, never. I don't hear know. That. I you know. I don't know. Uh, all right, from at Roger Castro seven. What is more likely to happen within the next three years? Patty Pimblett <laughs> winning a UFC title or Luke giving up vaping? <laughs> God, I hope the latter, Luke. Although it's, it's provided vaping. us with such comedy, but uh, yeah, do you I have mean, a vape truly is in front the most of you? White trash piece of shit thing I do, but. I mean, I, I'm reheating coffee all day, Luke, and that's so less WT than what you're doing. Um, do you have it in front of you? Can you show the people? If it's within arm's length right now, then you got a problem. Yeah, God, you're holding it the whole show. You absolutely... Wow. Wow. I mean, Luke, the, the towns you lived in in Georgia during your, your really, your formative years, your, your, your transition from teenager into man, were those WT towns? I mean, they all had their share of it, but I would say that um, I wasn't super exposed. Okay, so one of them was I used to live in Nashville, Georgia, super dub T. I mean, dub T to the uh, you know exponential. <laughs> all right, and then I lived uh, or I went to school briefly in uh, in Tifton, Georgia, dub T. And then I went to school in Valdosta, which does have. Please don't misunderstand me. Lowndes County is just I mean a wash in dub T. But I wasn't overly exposed to them where I was. And then I was in Marietta. Wait, dude, all of Georgia just is going to be crawling with dub T. It's like, you yeah. know, what do you want to say? But, all right. Then but, I like, don't hold got, it against it's, you. It's, okay? it's got like, but the, Marietta's also got like a real like old Southern aristocrat, you know, um, good old boy network kind of to it. So it's not in that same kind of way. But yeah, there's definitely, you know. I once had someone told me they love to mix red wine and seven up. I was like, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> Luke, if you could make a prediction right now, given your addiction level, when do you drop drop the the douche uh, douche stick? What did Michael? I, I almost I, I got close to stopping recently. I'll, I'm going to say 2022. I think by the end of 2022. 
Okay, douche flute. Thank you, Long Island Luke. That's douche what Michael Piesta yes. yeah. calls yeah. it. Yes. All right. At O'Reilly seven four zero two asks, which fans are better and more passionate, the UK or the Irish fans, or just for Luke? Do you prefer to hear fans sing Zombie or Sweet Caroline? Now, the Irish are very protective about this. The Irish believe that they are the very best fans. And to their credit, at a bare minimum, they're, you know, 1B or 2, like a bare minimum. So what do you think, BC? Who is better? I like Sweet Caroline. I mean, just fucking bash the speaker with a fucking baseball bat every time I hear it. But Zombie is amazing. And uh, I, I do like both though. fan bases. Because I heard, I caught Sweet Caroline on the uh, on 60s on 6 or whatever the hell that channel is on Sirius on the way home the other day, Luke. And I kind of rocked out for a moment. I'm like, damn, you know, for a, for a prime 60s pop song, like, that's as good as it gets, dude. Yeah, no wonder you like Thor Love and Thunder. You're a but, hero. But, you know, uh, it's been ruined, obviously, to a large degree. But, Luke, I'm going to say something that's probably going to, they're going to probably denounce my Welsh citizenship. Because, you know, I've been, I've been... After the fact, uh, you know, I'm welcomed in Wales right now, Luke. Okay, they're my people, okay? Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. Aren't they relatively the same? UK, to me, when I think of fight fans, Irish and UK, they're like neighbors. They're all the same, Luke, right? I mean, Northern Ireland is in the UK. They're they're all like, you know, I know that's crazy. People are going to hate me for that. Yeah, Don't all them white guys look alike, Luke? too kindly to that. Yeah, probably not. Don't forget, guys, I'm an eighth Irish, okay? So I'm allowed. Like Mike Perry, I'm allowed to disrespect my people, okay? Um, but no, Luke, I'm kidding on that. Um, who's more passionate? Well, UK for boxing. Yeah, I think for MMA, the answer is the Irish. But I yeah. do think for boxing, from what I have seen, don't kill me, Irish people. From what I have seen, I think the Irish are better MMA fans. That's what I would say. Okay. Do you have any respect for the Scottish, Luke? I know that's UK, but do you have respect for them? Yeah, like, what I mean, do you? UFC's, UFC's been to Glasgow. They've had some decent shows there. No, you personally, for your tolerance of people from the UK and Ireland, do you have a power rankings on on you know between Wales, uh, England, uh, Scotland? See, I don't have a Northern strong Ireland. sense of I don't have a strong sense of like Welsh identity. Uh, and Scotland is one place that my wife and I want to visit. She's she, she, she my wife finally went to uh, England for the very first time in her life. Uh, but she went to London, and she was blown away by it. Although she said the food sucked a fat one, which is true. English food. <laughs> I mean, you fucking zeros over there have no idea what good food. They have very good Indian food in, in, in London. That's about it. It fucking sucks. Um, so uh, I don't know much about the Scottish beyond that, except that they're very friendly. I love their accents, and I'm curious to see, like, Edinburgh and stuff like that. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a power ranking in that way. Like, but if you're asking me like, where I want to visit next inside the UK, I would say Glasgow. Glasgow, Edinburgh, that kind now, of stuff. Now, you badly punted calling your dad American the other day, really, you know? Um, but wh- do you know where, you're, where, you're, uh, where the, the dad's side of your family has originated? Historically, Luke? like if you trace it very far back, England. So these are your people. You're, you, know, these are, you know what I'm saying, Luke? Nah, but you and not. Eddie Hearn are one in the same, all right? Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Okay. Not the same. Okay. I, I appreciate them for who they are, but we're not, like, the same. Okay. I'm an American douchebag, and they're, they're UK fuckers. So okay. there's that. I got a Scottish last name, Luke, okay? You know what I mean? So maybe, they, maybe they'll welcome me there. They won't. Oh, well, they're nice, actually. They're pretty friendly, but uh, we'll see. The, they could probably smell my French-Canadian side. I know they can, Luke. They probably don't welcome uh, dude, me. Dude, you claim no. more identities you know nothing about. Like, when, you, when it's convenient <laughs> for the jokes, you're Lithuanian. I can't wait to tell me you're Chinese one day. This is going to be... Oh, come on. I mean, you know, we already did that, Luke. Okay, we don't need to get back there, <laughs> okay. all right? I mean, all right, on. fair enough, fair enough. All right, from at 
Ant, N-A-C-C, Knack? I don't know. What strategy would you employ if you were Nate Diaz's coaches to give him the best possible chance to win versus Shemayev? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Shank think? him, Luke. <laughs> Illegal weapons, please. Some, you know, please. Brass knuckles inside the tights. What do you got for me here, Luke? Uh, no, no. Seriously, let me ask you this one foundational question. Should Nate do nothing but try to get Chemayev into a brawl? Should that be the only focus? Yeah, here? I think so. I think if you just wait around, you know, and kind of like slow play it, that's only going to make it worse. I think you, okay, do we have proof that Chemayev can be baited into fighting in an undisciplined, brawling way? Yes, we do. And Nate Diaz can strike. He does have, I think, respectable power. I think you just got to take it to him right away, like what Krilov did to Gustafson. Obviously, very different circumstance, but um, just go right at him. Just go right at him and see what happens. And if it ends quickly, it ends quickly. But the the downside of letting that one slow play is bad. It, yeah. I don't like it at all. Um, I don't think I've – can you recall seeing Nate just go for broke? I mean, just come out, start a fight, fully offensive? I don't – you know what I mean? Just – I'm trying to think. I, don't think I mean, so. he's he's always offensive, but he's you know sometimes he can be the counter striker. Sometimes he can kind of weather your early storm. You know, he tends to kind of try to get you after you've emptied the tank a little and try to take yes. advantage of that and jump on yes. you. Yes, yes. Which I mean, could that work against Jemayev? It's certainly possible. It just seems a little bit unlikely, but yeah, I don't know, dude. It's not a. It's it's a t- listen. It's a tough assignment. It's a tough assignment for anybody, especially for a thirty-seven-year-old guy whose skin. Has a lot of scar tissue. Like it's a yeah. it's a tough assignment. All right, from at flannels, flannels in jits. This guy is probably the worst person to talk to at a party. Um, can you imagine? It's like, what are you into? I'm into flannel and jujitsu. Like, get the fuck away. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? This is to candle box. Look, I mean, come on. Uh, I'm teasing, by the way. Flannels and jits. Just it's a joke. Everyone relax. Y'all y'all roasted me on Friday. It's only right that I return the favor. Okay, question. Will the Poirier-Chandler fight happen by the end of the year? I'm going to say yes, BC. Yeah, did you see those comments from Michael Chandler, who was at the London card, Luke, I saying did, that yes. it kind of kind of saying that it could be announced soon? I think that's what he said. Yeah, he said, you're going to hear some news soon, uh, probably. Yeah, love that fight. What's your early read on how that one looks? Uh, awesome, destructive, <laughs> <laughs> emotional, violent. Uh, I mean, look, they both took a version of Justin Gaethje to the deepest waters, right? To the woodshed behind them waters, you know what I mean? And they named the waters, and they and they took it at him, and they finished him. Could it end up looking like that, only the two of them against each other? And or I mean, look, it, Chandler's so combustive that pretty much all of his fights seem to end in halfway through the second round, right, Luke? I mean, I know he went three rounds with Gaethje, but... Yeah. I kind of feel like this is going to be... Well, against Yamauchi, for example, like he, and even against Premis in the rematch, he can grind out a wrestling win when he needs to or wants to. That actually is on the table. But obviously, more often than not these days in the UFC, he's just throwing the hammers, you know? It's going to be a fourth-round stoppage. And I have a secret fear that Poirier... Um, is a little is a little bit of spoiled milk, a little bit past his prime, and we're not fully picking up on it. I mean, he's he's right there in the damn on the outside, the pound for pound top ten, you know. So I think some people UFC might still have him in the top ten, 
but I feel like Chandler's got a little bit more in the moment. So if I'm going to lean one way, it would be a late stoppage for Chandler. But I think the fight's going to be crazy, which means anything can happen, Luke. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Poirier has been as tested a lightweight as they come against all different kinds of fighters. It could be like the like the Gaethje fight with Poirier, you know? It could look like that. It could be... I mean, who knows? It, it could be all over the place, honestly. Very winnable in either direction, so that would be a very fun one. And then last but not least, BC, from at Kyle Hank Levy. This one's for you. Old big baby Jarrell Miller has a fourth-round uh, KO of a can. I didn't even see this. What does he have to do to be on our radar, BC? Well, I fight on, you know, real television again and not fight a guy with giant moobs. But look, this it's been a long time off for Jarrell Miller, who lost that massive pay-per-view against Anthony Joshua with just, I mean, look, what did they get caught with? 19 substances in that one that one drug test? It was like Brock Lesnar at UFC was, 200. I'm, I'm not doing a bit. I think the count was, let me see, all of them. Yeah, That's all of I them. Um, he's fought twice in the last month or last two months in against really low-level competition. Look, he's always he can talk. He also came back at like 330 pounds, I think, Luke. I'd have to check that. He's quick for a big guy. Look, at the very best, right? He He's he's entertaining at times. I thought he could have made a fun fight with AJ. But he's got to go a long way. I mean, the, the way that he... I mean, look, people fail drug tests and lose fights, but we forgive them and they come back and whatever. It was so dramatic, the way he lost that payday and that opportunity... That it's going to take some time. I, I think it's going to take. I think it's going to be hard for him to get TV dates, Luke. You know what I mean? I'm not sure where exactly where he's at in terms of his connections now, but it's going to take a while for us to really care. You know, he may never get back there, Luke. We'll see. We'll see. I uh, yeah. It's like, what does he have to do to get back on our radar? Get on our radar? Like, yeah. Do something relevant? Uh, yeah. Uh, he. We've talked about him on this show strictly for taking drugs. I mean, that's really the only thing. <laughs> You know, that he's ever been on our radar for. All right, BC, it is your birthday, and I am told you have hyped up today's BC's VCs in an extraordinary (laughs) way. By the way, I am very curious to see what happens. Every single time I've ever hyped up the the shit you're about to see, you've deadpan no sold, and we went like to like, oh, okay, great. We had a good run, I guess. But here's the deal every weekend, even on my birthday, I scour the globe for the highs and the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the in between. In combat sports and beyond, they call this, have you seen this shit? Have you seen this motherfucking shit? Uh, Luke, for better or worse, UFC London was the Patty and Meatball show, and we've got a lot of videos to show you the proof. Luke, here's Patty at Friday's weigh-in, pulling the okey-doke on Jordan Levitt. In terms of trolling, did he nail this? I mean, listen, I'm an old and sad piece of shit. It's hard for me to get up for this kind of thing. Like, oh, I did the whole fucking Three Stooges or whatever the fuck this is. You know, like, I, it's not for me. All right. Uh, Luke, we, we we hyped up BC's super sloppy special of the week, Hannah Goldie versus Molly McCann. And, you know, let's give Molly her, her flowers for at least this. She, she did finish violently, Luke. Another spinning wow. back elbow, as you mentioned. And damn. When, look, when she smells blood, she doesn't know how to turn it on. Luke, would you say that she's a uh, British Betch Cohea? She's better than that. Well, I don't know how good she is yet. but All right, but here's what we're talking about, Luke. I mean, you know, you got, you got Dave Portnoy in a strategic spot with the wig on for, for you know, and we got this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Luke, it was a lot. 
There was all. I mean, she was on the screen a lot over that main card. She's maximizing her screen time. I'll say that. It's a nice dude. It was a nice win, man. It's a real good win to get that in the way that she did. She, the crowd had a certain expect. Listen, of what you could reasonably expect from her, did she deliver? I would say she overdelivered in terms of what you could expect from her. I, all so, right, all right. As I mentioned, not everyone a fan. Somebody put this uh, tweet across my timeline. Luke, is this fair or unfair? Like, how much of your dark heart believes in this? I understand the sentiment. I really do. I get it. Um, it's a little, you know, she want, She. it was kind of like a, like a main event, sort of like uh, jumping out of the cage and into the arms of Dave Portnoy. But you tell me how much you agree with this. How about that? <laughs> I mean, look, it was a lot. Okay, it was a lot. But you know, way, for folks who are listening on the podcast, it's it should be this person writes. It should be illegal to celebrate this much for accomplishing so little. They write. All right, uh, Luke. Speaking of Hannah Goldie, the B side of this matchup. How about WWE superstar Big E shouting out your boy to honor the super sloppy special that he was about to watch? Luke, love this guy. Yeah, he was he even he tweeted me uh, about uh, what's his face is uh, about Aspinall's back tattoos. Yeah, we may get to that. I was trying to feed my kid, and he was and like, we, piece to Violetta. I well, was like, let's see it right Biggie's here. Best. Biggie took it one step further by shouting out Tuki Luke. I, I I have so much love for this guy. He's a real fan, man. Dude, he's the best. I really I don't know what the state of his recovery is. I don't know if you know more than I do, uh, but I really hope he's okay. Shouts to Biggie. Thank you for spelling my daughter's name correctly, which motherfuckers usually don't. Yeah. So, good job, sir. One T, not two, Luke. Low T, like there me. There are yeah. ways to spell it two ways. Like, for example, there's a show on Disney Plus called Violetta, which I think is either Spanish or Argentinian. It's in Spanish. My wife tends to watch it, and it's always a bunch of, you know, whatever. Uh, they spell it with two Ts. So, it can be spelled that way. But it's like, you know, John and John. Like, there's a lot of different ways to spell it. You know, or, or Connor. You know, everyone puts two N's in Connor's name. It's like, yo... How fucking famous does Conor McGregor need to be before you dullards learn there's one N in his first name? Yeah. Apparently not famous enough. Apparently. Dwayne Wade's so famous, I now misspell Dwayne every time because of him, Luke. You know? There's a Y in there, isn't there? Yeah, he goes D-W-Y-A rather than the opposite. All right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke, back to Meatball Molly. I was critical on some parts of her celebration, but this part was kind of awesome. How about running to the front row, celebrity row, and as we mentioned earlier, drinking whiskey out of a cup with Joanna Young Jacek and Michael Chandler. That's that's pretty badass, Luke. Yeah, except it's Howlerhead. Yeah, we may get to that soon as well. All right. Well, how about we get to it right now, Luke? It's one thing to to celebrate your own victory, but here's where I started to turn against the old Meatball when she started taking over Patty's spot almost more than him. And then we see company employee number one, Patty Wig, Howler head banana whiskey in hand, running around the front. Look, whether or not I like this or I think it's too far, who am I, right? Who cares? But if you're a UFC fighter trying to climb the rankings and get exposure, they got to be unhappy with this, Luke, right? Tell me why. You're taking the boss's product, you know what I mean? Running free and celebrity row in the front, running in and out of the cage, putting Patty on your shoulders, again, for beating Hannah Goldie. I know it's part of the atmosphere and the charm, and again, some of it I loved. But isn't this like full-on company man routine right here, Luke? 
Yeah, a little bit. But the thing that really stands out to me here is like, you know how Dana White is always like turning the color of Country Time pink lemonade? Apparently everything around him turns the color of Country Time pink lemonade. Why <laughs> is the white balance off on this camera? Why does she look like she was left out in the sun for the last 40, four and a half days? Yeah, I can't comment on that. But, uh, but uh, you know, she, she, you can argue she won the card, Luke. You can argue that. You could argue that. No, she was Patty all won the, the card. Patty won the card. Uh, not to be outdone, speaking of Patty, Luke, here's the aforementioned teabag uh, celebration, which he promised he would do. He said it's from some video game he plays. But, Luke, isn't this a reverse teabag? A teabag's supposed to be where you give him the full Monty, right? Like you have to face him to give him the teabag? That's what I thought, unless people are dropping reverse teabags all the time. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a practice I don't practice, Luke, so I don't really know, but... You know, like in boxing, there's a thing where if the referee, you get knocked down and the referee skips the 10 count because they think you're done and doesn't give you the chance. A lot of times these referees will jump on your chest to pull the mouthpiece out and just straight up teabag you and wave off the fight. Like that's as embarrassing as it gets, Luke. They didn't even give you a chance to recover. And now you got this old ref's balls in your face. This is not a... I would say it depends on how droopy your balls are, which at 20 something years old, his should not be very droopy. I can't believe I'm talking about this at 42 years of fucking age. Uh... It looks to me more like he's just taking a dump, right? <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? If you just put some sound effects in there, it just kind of works. All right. Uh, I just skipped over this clip. Let's go back to it. I want to get back in line here. Uh, Luke, here's Meatball Molly sneaking up from behind to grab a high crotch on British rapper Stormzy, but she doesn't fully run the pipe, Luke. I'm telling you, she tried to win this whole card, Luke. Yeah, she's, she's a party animal. Did she fix her teeth? They look amazing. Is that a shot at British people, Luke? No. It's a, did you see her teeth? They're about as perfectly symmetrical I, and white as I've ever seen anyone's mouth ever. Like, they're, they look legit. Like, dude, for someone who got some crooked-ass fucking busted teeth like I do, hers look amazing. Also, I have no idea who the fuck Stormzy is. Yeah, either try, Luke. All right, and here's Pat. So this is the moment where I turned, Luke. Here's Patty being carried on Meatball's shoulders. I wrote down in parentheses, I, I hated this crap, Luke. A little too much here. Okay, a little too much. Dude, Luke. you really, like... too much. How much of this is you just hating on someone having a good time? I really... Like, you know, I'm not here to say that I didn't, um, you know, get a little out of line with, you know, two or three margaritas at our Friday <laughs> show at the Beer House. But maybe you just don't like it when other people have a good drunken time around you. I'm beginning to sense a theme here, BC. Are you saying I'm fun police, Luke? If I can't be the center of it, then nobody can? Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's not like you're the fun police because there are, like, even, okay, so for example, when we went, where were we when we went to the, uh, the baseball, uh, like, we had the box with all the Malka crew, and we were shotgunning beers, and you were like, yo, I'm not into this fraternity bullshit, I'm going to go pout outside like a hoe, and I was like, well, why don't you just come party with us? You don't like it when other people have a good time around okay. you, unless it's about you. If you're doing a deep dive psychoanalyst, you may you may have some points there. I don't subscribe to that though. At this on the surface, I, I disagree with you. That day though, Luke, there were a couple things going against. I mean, let's just be honest and free and clear here, okay? Luke, I got a low tolerance. If I drink, you know what I'm saying? Like, not a, a low old guy tolerance, meaning I used to have a good tolerance. Now you know I'm an old piece of shit. One or two or three drinks could give me a vicious hangover. So I was trying, you know, sitting in the in the, in the eighth row of Delta, and I was really trying my best, Luke, which helps with the hangovers, by the way, but I was really trying my best to be strategic with my drinking. I couldn't waste it and a, and a drink off. Mixed with Luke... That was a, a, a serious turn for our doc in terms of storylines, right? We were deeply, introspectively contemplating 
the current realities of our life and career and where we're going as the invasion was happening. So some of that storyline magic and some of that was the truth about what I was wrestling with, Luke, okay? I think that if I know anything about Brian Campbell is that what he likes to do is to walk into a room and just fill it with himself. Everyone look at him and talk only to him. And if it can't be that, you pull the plug. That's it. Just out. Are you saying that that's what fuels my Lithuanian exits, which are so much nicer than the Irish version, Luke? Because you're telling the person up front, it's not you, it's me. I got to (laughs) go. Which is the long way of saying it's you. (laughs) I've got social anxiety. I need to go. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay, Luke, where are we at in this Molly and Meatball show? I think we got... um, I think we got one more. Oh, no, we saw it all. All right, Luke. Elsewhere on UFC London, Barstool Prez Dave Portnoy um, <laughs> out here dressing like an asshole. I can't figure out if I liked this or I didn't, Luke. Where, where do you stand on this? Listen, I'm a humorless piece of trash. You know, like looking like Mr. Planters, the peanut guy. I, I, I guess there's a segment where this works. Um, Listen, I hate fun. Can we just be honest about that? Yeah. I just, you know. <laughs> so will Dana ever let our podcast sit with the Patty wig in the front row and like carry the fighters around afterwards, Luke? You know what Only I'm saying? if this podcast turns into a billion-dollar enterprise that uh, gives his fighters money. What what a, imagine, a, think of, speaking of storyline turns from the doc, imagine if a real-life turn happened, Luke, where we end up becoming Dana's favorite podcast in the end somehow. And then he gives us the Nelk Boy gift on camera. And then we have to turn back and be like, what do we do? We've got hours of footage fighting for fighter pay. And then now Dana just put 250K in our pocket, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to wait around for that. Um, okay. Could happen. Never know. Okay. All right, Luke, let's go to Jack the Joker here in the Coleman event. He was vicious and offensive in this sequence, thinking he had Chris Curtis hurt. Look at these elbows from the Nordic nightmare, Luke. Yeah, he looked pretty good here. This was the one time he had him. He blocked the kick, but it still kind of rattled him a little bit. I was some of these elbows. I was like, eh, but he let him rock. Yeah, Chris a couple Curtis of those slipped through. Yep, Luke. Here's Chris Curtis activating his inner Nate Diaz after the fight, as we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, okay. This is this is uh, uh, Chris Curtis is my family, and I am Jack Hermanson. This is typically that's, how that's interactions fair. go. That's fair. Uh, Luke Muhammad Mokayev and Charles Johnson. Needed to be separated ahead of their featured prelim matchup here, Luke. Look at this shit. Yeah. I know. And then he landed one significant strike in the third round. Yeah. And I was like, save some of that, young fella. Save some once of they've, that. No one went to the wind and ghost here, but uh, Mokayev, uh, excuse me, was handing out tickets to Suplex City during this fight, Luke. I kind of popped for this, right? Yeah, some nice ones there. He, he, had, okay. he had like... I, I, again, we, we covered this a little bit on uh, Extra Credit. He had, like, in just the third round, five of ten takedowns. So he was, he yeah. was putting in work on the wrestling. Well, hopefully in Extra Credit, you will be talking about uh, Paul Craig maybe coming out a little bit do, too yes. fired up. Uh, it actually started in the weigh-ins, Luke, with the, look at this, bringing it right to Vulcan. It looked like mentally he might, he might have cracked him. Did you zoom in on Ozdemir there and see? It looked like he was, like, in his head, Luke. Maybe, but then Uzdemir won all three rounds on all three judges' scorecards. So yeah. it was like, yo, Connor won the press conference. Connor won the weigh-in, and then Nurmagomedov goes and ices him. It's like, it's right, fair. one of these things matters, one of them doesn't. Uh, shout out for Oscar Willis of MacLive fame for first putting this out into the world. I think he took it in the hotel room. Although Blades in Aspinall in the main event didn't get to find out the winner, look at the winner's circle afterwards, Luke, the 19th hole. Two good buddies taking down a cold one. I'm, I'm here for this. 
Bro, those beers. That's a, see, that's an English pint. The English do the beer pint the right way. Full-size pint. Them two getting after. I got to say, those beers look refreshing. And then when I tweeted that, John Anik was like, yo, that's exactly what I was thinking. Indeed, indeed. Luke, Long Island Luke just put in our chat, Cleveland Portnoy. Is he trying to ask if, if you turned on Dave Portnoy when we interviewed him that time and they complained about the cameras and, you know. Well, it wasn't our fault. We didn't set that shit up. But no, he was trying to, like, you just missed everything in the chat as he was putting it up. And now you're reading it all back together like a jackass. Oh, it just appeared. Sorry. Oh, was that really five minutes ago? It just appeared in my... Yeah, in actually my... six minutes ago, yes. Oh, now, now they're appearing one after another. Okay. That's how the chat okay. works, BC. Welcome to modern um, Luke, technology. Luke, true or false, though? And I don't have anything against Dave Portnoy, except for when he went to Mike's Pizza Palace in Naugatuck, Connecticut, which I'll put up against any pizza that was ever made, Luke, and he shit on them with Deb, the Uber driver, and gave him like a six out of ten. He no-sold... Everything we tried to give him in that interview, though. Would you say that, true or false? You know, we tried to make a little magic, a little back and forth, play volley. He, he kind of shobbed us. I mean, he, he was just like, I'm not playing this game right now. Well, to be clear, Shab did that to you, not to me. I want to be very be okay. honest about that. So I don't quite have that same use of the verb in ways you might. I just remember him being very tan. And then afterwards, Big Cat <laughs> followed me on Twitter. So I got oh. something out of it. All right, he was the guy who complained openly about the setup. Okay, all right, let's keep it going here, Luke. Uh, let's go to the next one. If you thought we were done with Molly, the meatball Luke, we aren't. Check out this sound as she was asked about being called out by Miranda Maverick after the fight. Yeah. Miranda, if you want it, I'll fuck you wherever you want to be fucked. <laughs> that is... Uh, the, the, the way... Not in a gay way, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Luke. I may have been too harsh on her after this. I think, you know, this is kind of on brand for this show. I think, I think I'm back again. So, Molly Meatball, I'm you're okay with this me. Is, this is like, this, this is Apex BC. Like, yeah. this is what you love. This is, That's this about is as good as it gets. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm into this. Because think about it, Luke. Look, long term, do I think she's going to be great? I don't know. We're going to find out. But there's a lot of fun matchups against some of my favorite fighters we can make with her right now. So why not, Root? Why not, Luke? Okay? Why don't I have time? Plenty of time to see what happens at Women's Flyweight. All right. Let's let's keep it going. Uh, Luke, this is How many times have you thought? uh, How how many times have you done this on Instagram? I'm just going to look at all the uh, women fighters I follow. I'll fuck you where you'd like to be fucked. You've seen, you've said the oh same God. thing out loud looking at your phone. I mean, Luke, you? <laughs> can we move on before we all lose it, Luke? I mean, we, before before the show gets shut down live on my birthday. Did you, I mean, did you write on. that line for her? I'm just curious. It sounded very DC. <laughs> I mean, it is. Uh, you'd believe it if I said yes, though, wouldn't you? That's that's probably the thing here. All right, Luke. This is from last week. Speaking of failed main events, how about Brian Ortega going backstage and apologizing? to the family of Yair Rodriguez for the injury preventing them from making the magic, Luke, that they looked ready to make. I'm telling you, I got a new favorite fighter now that Yohan is retired. It is Brian Ortega, Luke. It is, okay? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I think he felt terrible about the situation. That's a giant cup that he has. Um, (laughs) And uh, Yair's family looks wonderful. All right, there you go. Uh, Luke, we always ask that same question that was pitched in the 90s by Joan Osborne. What if UFC fighters were really one of us, Luke? Just a slob like one of us? Hey, how about Islam Mahachev, fresh off getting the title shot, caught himself a fresh catch, Luke, out on the water. I bet this motherfucker barehanded it, too. Dude, that thing is like five feet tall. Look at that fish. 
Good lord. How did he fucking catch this thing? He's got a full-on wetsuit, so he must have been fully submerged in the water. You Dude, know, you he, ever may seen, uh, double, you ever he may watched, have shot ever a watched, double on it. I, yeah, pro probably. I don't know what the name of the sh or what channel it's on, but you ever seen the show River Monsters? No. Well, there's this thing called noodling. You ever heard of noodling? <laughs> yes, yes, I have. What 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 definition do you have for it, Luke? Yeah, not the thing you're worried about after you have ten Jack and diets. I don't mean that. What I mean is where they catch these giant fish with their bare fucking hands, usually like big ass catfish and shit. You never seen this? No. It's like good old fashioned dub tea fun. They go noodling in like wherever the fuck on the Mississippi somewhere. And they catch these giant ass catfish with their bare fucking hands, dude. It's the Damn. craziest shit ever. I don't know if that, this is not a catfish. I don't know what the fuck it is. But. I mean, look, I assume Dagestan is like a, you know, put your hand in the water, grab it and take a bite out of it, Luke. They're that old school. They, they can live off the land, right, Luke? I mean, that's a different mentality out there. Maybe he did catch this with his bare hands. I'd be fired up, Luke. I would like to see the video. But yes, that's a giant fucking fish. Speaking of noodles, did you let your uh, daughter watch uh, Elmo at all? You know about Mr. Noodle? Guy has huge... Dude, Mr. Noodle is such a stupid piece of shit. I, I mean, he, has, Mr. he has huge predator vibes, Luke, okay? You also, it's I mean? like, can we, can we get a home invasion on his house so we can just end him in the neighborhood, please? Fuck that guy. Mr. Yeah. Noodle is constantly, yo, Mr. Noodle, what's the weather like today? It'll be raining. He'll be like, it's sunny. Like, get the fuck out of here, Mr. Noodle. <laughs> you are not helpful for anything. You are giving everyone wrong information. You dress like a moron. You haven't combed your hair since 1973. Get the fuck off screen. What do you think about Mr. Fuck Noodle's Mr. brother? Noodle. Mr. Huh? Noodle's brother is, is, was active when I used to watch that show, too, Luke. All right? They both look like, uh, you know, <laughs> you came all this way to eat pizza with a teenage girl? She's 12. You know what I mean? Like, they have that vibe, Luke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. uh, Mr. Noodle is a piece of shit. Yo, fuck Mr. Noodle. I'm that Chris All Curtis right. after the Jack Hermanson bout. Yo, fuck Mr. Noodle. Uh, let's go to Bellator MMA. They took over Tacoma on Friday night, Luke. Speaking of Tofik Musayev, here's the 27-second demolition of Sydney Outlaw. It was impressive as shit, Luke. Look at the power. Ugh. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Fucking not even 30 seconds this bout went. Unbelievable, this guy. He came in hard charging. Look at his elbows. Extra pointy elbows. Yeah. You ever notice that? He sharpens them, probably. Probably. Probably does, dude. This guy is a beast. Sydney, poor Sydney Outlaw, man. Just overwhelmed. Supposed to have a title shot and then just gets dusted off in less than 30 seconds against a guy who I think he was making his promotional debut, if I'm not mistaken. Just not, not, not a great run for him, unfortunately. Yo, if I came from the Wild Wild West days, Luke, I would definitely would have been a blacksmith. I bet you those guys got laid all the time, like in the in like the in mountain towns, like the mining towns, Luke. A blacksmith? Yeah, I would have been a blacksmith, dude. 
I would have been cleaning up too, and like you know, I don't know what do you want? Where do you want me to clean up? Jackson Hole? You know what I mean, Luke? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you definitely would have been. I'm trying to think. What would you have been? Deadwood in mining town. Yeah, Deadwood. Boy, you're Deadwood these days. Uh, <laughs> uh, Luke on CBS Sports HQ, they asked me for my best bet of the weekend, and of course, you gave a minus 800 favorite as your best bet but i said no davion okay, franklin okay, okay stop was i right or was okay, i right yeah you do that every time though davion franklin did not end up uh improving to six and zero. in fact he gassed late luke but he did have a highlight here against marcelo golm in the main card opener wwe style hit him with the death valley driver luke look at this so what is a death valley driver it's like a failed standing fireman's carry yeah, the Kenny Omega has a great finisher, the One Winged Angel, which is somewhat like this. But there's another. You got to you got to tuck the guy's head behind his neck and slam him. But uh, this was pretty dangerous. Yeah, it's a standing failed fireman's carry, and uh, he lost the bout. He got submitted the round after this, I believe. Yeah, he gassed, Luke. It was unfortunate to see, but maybe it's a key a key step in his journey to overcome and, and, and uh, work on that gas tank. Luke, here's Mark Coates delivering the strike of the week on this Bellator preliminary card, hitting what I think it's called a flip dong kick on Jalen Bates. I was to ask if you were going to bring this up. No, this is a rolling axe dong kick. Oh, sorry. Yeah, rolling, ro- rolling thunder uh, dong shot. Yes, yes. Dude, wow. that, I mean, dude, I, 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 honestly, pound for pound, I think Bellator, I don't think they have the most ball kicks. I don't think that's true, but they've got the most creative ones or the most insane ones. Add this one to the list. Indeed, indeed. Uh, middleweight Dalton Rasta made, made a fairly large statement himself in the preliminary main event, stopping uh, ranked Romero Cotton, Luke. Uh, this, was, this was huge, dude. I love yeah. this performance. Boy, what I wouldn't give to look like Dalton Rasta for a day. Jesus Christ. They call him Hercules. Look at this kid. He is unbelievable. Fucking Cotton couldn't get the takedown at all. Rasta no-sold him and then made his life hell on the feet and then finally hit him with a Superman punch and then that left hook. Here it is. Superman punch. Bah! Would you be against, given his last name is Rasta, would you be against him putting on the the high T? Uh, Bob Marley hat that I sometimes wear and like coming out to, to reggae music and just like calling himself the Rasta man. Would you be against that, Luke? But see, this sort of gets to like the the Columbia Columbia thing where in, like, in English, we spell Columbia with the U and we pronounce it the same as when it's C-O-L-O versus C-O-L-U. But in Spanish, it'd be Colombia versus Columbia. He's actually got the O. Rasta would be R-A-S-T-A. And I'm wondering what's the proper pronunciation of Rasta. It's probably Rosta. Or some shit. I don't know. I'm making a dumb point. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, great non-answer there, Luke. Appreciate it. Uh, Luke, we told you to watch welterweight Roman Feraldo because he keeps knocking people cold on the yeah, undercard. We'll talk about this on uh, Extra Credit. 8-0 with eight first-round KOs in this one. Good Lord. Yeah, so he uh, forces the he forces Iniguez to his right and then throws from the right-handed stance a lead right, switches stances, which freezes... Iniguez, which lines him up as he steps off in the switch stance for the left and then just drives that one home. Dude, this one was easy work for him. This kid is super awesome. If you are not paying attention to Roman Feraldo, I don't know what you are doing, man. This guy is yeah. highlight real machine. He's coming on. Uh, our regional MMA highlight of the week, Luke, comes from MMA Series 53. Did you see this insane post-fight brawl that broke out? 
Jesus, what, are you, what is this, the Passion of Christ? What is going on? <laughs> oh, come on. God. You could have made a Carrie reference, at least. I mean, uh, wow. Oh, Jesus. Where is this? Uh, uh, oh, and he just got sucker punched? <laughs> yeah, this is wild. Damn. So, folks, we're on live television here at Strike Force Nashville. I mean, come on. I mean, these guys are not fooling around, Luke. <laughs> these things happen in MMA. Yeah, thanks, Gus. That yeah, was very thank helpful. You. Thank you, Gus. Remember when Gus called uh, when Kimbo got knocked out by uh, the, what's the guy's name? Seth Petrozelli? Seth Petrozelli, yeah. He called it the biggest upset in MMA history. <laughs> that was great. That was great. All right. Uh, Luke, I called Rise this. Rise and fire. Yeah, check out this piece of photography brilliance. I call this art piece the strip mall circle of life. Look at this picture, Luke. <laughs> this this has to be where my dad is from. This has to be Lawton, Oklahoma. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, you can get it all. You can get it all in one stop. You know know what's missing here? You know what's missing here is the bail bondsman. That's the only thing fucking (laughs) missing from this fucking lineup here. Well, it looks like that strip mall goes a little bit longer, so there's probably a vape store, bail bondsman. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. All right, Lucas, time to play Rate That Tat. You know you love this game. Well, you had mentioned the Big E from WWE, our guy from the New Day, shooting, shouting us both out on Twitter. Here's what the Big E offered, saying Luke is Aspinall's back piece ex- excellently done, or have I consumed too many <laughs> Delta 8s? I hope the latter is definitely true, but uh, yeah. could you respond here? What are your thoughts now that you got the chance to see Tom Aspinall's new back update? Uh, again, I'm not really paying too much attention to it, believe it or not, I, I, as I haven't had a clear look at it. I, it's unfinished, so we have to be very careful about what we say. It's very much unfinished. I didn't love it from what I saw. I didn't hate it. It's not bad. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment until it's done. I want to see it when it's done. Do you think Robbie Lawler's tramp stamp is unfinished? Because it looks like it. Yeah, I don't understand like what the deal is there. Just get it lasered off, right? If you don't want, or it add anymore. to it, right? Yeah. Or, or add to it, or whatever you want. But like, he just kind of like halfway did it and was like, eh, fuck it, just left it. All yeah. right, Luke. Here's your favorite thing ever. Rate this ass tat. I do like ass tats. Uh, that's exceptional. That's uh, exceptional. That's extremely good. I mean, it's kind of gross, though, Luke, right? The colors are good. I like the colors. Yeah, but more than that, like, the depth is amazing. You know, Did- and he uses the ass well in this particular case. <laughs> yeah, good analysis there. He does use that. Yeah, he does, Luke. Um, well, the whole point The whole point is to be able to scale the entirety of it. That's the whole idea, rather than just sort of, like, fitting it where it doesn't need to be, or it doesn't actually fit. And he scales it really well here. Um, or I guess now, it's around see, her boobs. Real talk. Like, how close do you go to the pieces when you do it? Like, do you get the full grundle tatted up too, or like, where's the cutoff? Right on the you on go, the you, outer you, ring. They, they have to they have to push the butt cheek aside and go in a little bit. Yeah. God, it's like the, <laughs> the Sarlacc monster could come out of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Luke? It's wow. That's like, yeah. They open it for the tattoo. Is like, is is Boba Fett kind of come out of this? Yeah. Moment? Like, <laughs> wow. All right, Luke, I got, you know, 58 DMs about this. They really want you to rate it. So rate this UFC super fan who got his leg done up, I'm assuming, with all of his favorite fighters, Luke. Okay, so I saw this one before. Here's what I'll say. The black and gray work, the the Rogan, it looks a little bit mangled at the top, but the photo's not great, so it's hard to say. It's wonky. In In general, this is very, very good as a tattoo in general. Um, and someone who did it clearly is like good at black and white, or I should say black and gray portrait realism. 
However, I think if you got this on your, on your leg as a leg sleeve, it tells you two things. One, you probably have not been a fan longer than five years. Um, this is like, I am in, like, you know how MMA fans, they like, they kind of get into it, then they fall in love, then they get madly in love with it, and then they fade out after about seven or eight years. He's at yeah. the middle part where he's like madly in love. Also, if you got this on your leg, I would recommend um, psychological counseling, I think, probably. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Wow. Okay. All right. I mean, Listen, look. If, you're, if you're asking, is it a good tattoo for, by tattoo technical application? Yes. Yes, it is. It's actually very good. What but, would like, you say? Ask then yourself. If, ask yourself. Who the fuck does this? You know what I mean? Okay. What What if I got every 115 pound champion in UFC history tattooed on one leg? Would you? What would you say about that, Luke? I would be disappointed. You should only get the ones who got cut from the UFC. Those would be the only ones I care about. Wow, wow. For you, All anyway. right. Uh, Luke, speaking of tattoos, NBA veteran Chris Birdman Anderson was caught running around the uh, Summer League in Vegas this past week. Shot him out, Luke. Look at this. Look at this fella. Birdman. Birdman. He is just. He is. A, I, would you have ever guessed that this guy looked like. He, dude, before he got all the tats and like grew the hair out, do you know who Mason Plumley is? Yeah. He kind of looked like Mason Plumley a little bit, but when he first got into the league, look at him now. He looks like a Hell's Angel. Do you think this gimmick still gets him laid? Well, he's huge. He should still have money, and uh, he probably is well connected. So I'm going to say, and he's also like what, nearly seven feet tall. He's probably got a dong the size of an eel. So probably. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! All right, here we are, <laughs> uh, Luke. I got video proof of what it's like to be a first class. Uh, patron on an airplane as you walk your waddle your way down to coach crop dusting the whole way here's some yes. video footage oh wow wow does she vomit, uh, does she vomit? luke I mean, is this let me, just, let me just explain something to you if you know anyone who wears shorts like this there's a 100 percent chance at some point you're gonna have to bail them out of jail just a given <laughs> Luke, um, I have an awesome younger uncle, Uncle Dave, my guy, um, and I tell my kids the story about my whole youth, he would wake me up by farting directly on top of my face. Like, just, that's the, that was the thing. That was the gimmick, right? And it was just accepted. Um, is this off limits in your marriage? Luke, I don't want to push too far. I don't want to go too far in this conversation. Well, but like, I, I will say, I, I don't do this. My wife would truly stab me in the stomach uh, <laughs> with a pair of scissors if I did. But I will say, do I audibly pass gas in front of her at which point she screams cochino at me yes yeah. yes i do oh uh, dutch oven or that's too personal no i don't do that i don't do that okay <laughs> cleveland steam no just no i mean God, what are we doing here? let's go to the <laughs> next You're one about feces mean... and my wife can we move on please uh luke you know the the young trend that we missed we missed edward 40 hands we were too old we also missed this poke a beer and shotgun it but it's hard to open the can sometimes you need help just ask the tooth fairy luke You know what? You know what? That's just dub T ingenuity. I'm not going to hate on that. Okay. All right. I mean, That's you know, dub T yeah. ingenuity. That's like be I always wear those uh, sandals that have the bottle opener on the bottom, Luke. Yeah, I've you seen know, those. Reef. Who the fuck does that with the bottom of the thing? But you know. Yeah, I've stepped in shit in those sandals, and I've opened your beer if you've hung out with me. So thank you very much, uh, Luke. Speaking of shotgunning a beer, there's easier ways to do it. How, what do you think about this guy's method? Okay. All right. I mean, 
All right. Uh, <laughs> this, 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 this guy, let me tell you something. This guy, if he hasn't already, 100% guarantee, the, the LT, 100% guarantee he's going to get a Darwin Award. Just yeah. inevitable. Shout out to at look at this American on, on uh, Instagram. And he may have this T-shirt that I'm wearing in his closet. You never know, Luke. Uh, Luke, check this out. Serious for a second. Uh, Top Rank had a boxing uh, broadcast over the weekend on ESPN. They ran a feature of Mark Kriegel sitting down with Teofimo Lopez Jr., who's coming back August 6th to make his debut at 140. But, Luke, we know about Teofimo falling apart against, uh, against Cambosis. But we did find out afterwards about the medical condition, and in this sit-down, it's kind of a puff piece about Teofimo having the tear in his esophagus or, or larynx, I think. He should have pulled out of the fight. He fought anyway. He risked his life. I don't know if we always give him that grace or benefit of the doubt or that credit because we've also seen him make ridiculously ridiculous comments afterwards about DAZN paying the judges off so that he would lose the fight. But did you see this tweet, and more importantly, who retweeted it? So this was a tweet that some guy named Vince Cummings put out saying, can they produce a doctor or medical paperwork to back up this near-death experience because ain't no way I'm just taking these two clowns at their word. You know who retweeted that? Top ranks Hall of Fame matchmaker Bruce Trampler. Damn. Wait, the, the, the current matchmaker? Yes. So the current matchmaker retweeted. Who's this guy? Who tweeted it? By this guy Vince. Who is this? I don't what? know. I, I I'm going to apologize if he's or whatever. I, he may be in the business. I, I I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Uh, that's a bad sign. <laughs> that's yeah. a real bad sign. Jesus. So you what? How, what is your level of confidence? He actually suffered this medical ailment. Yeah, I mean, I I, I want to be in good faith and and you know i do think that he's tough enough to fight through something like that and, and and still put on that performance but look it's it's basically people always said we were shitting on cambosis yet you and i have always said from the beginning no matter what you want to point the blame to and why teofimo fought that badly most of the reason why you and i believe that fight went that way it did was because he wasn't even close to 100 mentally and physically like that was a bad strategy horrible night at the office everything if you're telling me there was also an underlying medical condition, well, I kind of could agree with that because that wasn't Teofimo Lopez that night, yet he still went the distance in an action fight. I'd lean more towards believing him, but I do I do have to say his credibility is has taken a huge hit from all those comments huge. afterwards. Yeah, huge. there's no denying his credibility tanked afterwards for a lot of good reasons, by the way. I will say if even top rank management essentially is retweeting shit like that, that is a terrible sign for him. Terrible. Unless Bruce is retired and I don't know it, but either way, Luke, it's still it's still in-house, right? It's still in-house, so that's still interesting. Uh, Luke, this unlucky lady is a model, and she does her thing on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk, Luke, she shakes her thing on the... Oh, <laughs> oh she used to goodbye. it. God. Time what? to... Say goodbye. Yeah, there it is. Dude, and she, okay, my best part, here's the best part. Go, watch. Yo, she just loses both shoes. Both shoes just go flying. Yeah, some people not made for heels, Luke, including me. I don't I don't know how you can walk in that. That'd be insane. Yeah, uh, well, Luke, now her ankles have been shattered, so that's fun. Yeah, there you go. They say everything's bigger in Texas, including the head trauma. Why do we run so many pinata clips lately, Luke? But I figure you'll enjoy this. 
Get the kids away from the. Fu- I mean, what are we oh doing? My God. Just these fucking morons. These yeah. fucking morons. What is this? That is unbelievable. Hey, that's just some more. Why don't you more... keep grabbing shit? Yeah. Oh, okay. Dumb fuck. There we go. Look at there this. There we go. And it's in the state. Look at it. Oh Jesus. I mean, can you get the other kids away from this? You fucking morons. And by the way, aren't you supposed to be blindfolded? This is the uh, whitest well, pinata celebration I've ever seen blind. in my life. Yeah, that's not good. Not poor parenting. Uh, Luke, we do like, you're always ripping white people in the segment, but we do like fat white people that fight each other, right? BKFC put, yeah, on a, put on a fat white barn burner on Friday. Look at this. Dude, these guys, you, you know, you could say what you, people, people bag on this kind of shit. I, it's like, I guarantee you, these guys have knocked out some, some several dudes in parking lots. I guarantee oh, you. Oh, yeah, in men's rooms? Yeah, definitely. No 100%, question about it. 100% these guys have had serious fisticuffs outside of a Hooters somewhere. All right, Luke, you were gonna, we got a couple more here. You know my favorite segment on this show, Lukito. Would you eat it, Luke, okay? Let's start off this. I believe they're called Oreo Popsicles. Would you eat? Okay, let's see here. Yes, of course, I'd eat that. That looks ingenious, right? Yeah, it looks Do they amazing. sell those? What's wrong, what's wrong with you? You acted like this is like... Yo, uh, we put uh, road salt and uh, broken glass into a uh, paletta. Eat that shit. I'm like, well. <laughs> well, we may get there on this segment. All right, let's go over right. the second one. This is from Manchester, England, Luke. Oh, I think they call know, this. You know it's bad already. <laughs> I think they call this a, a waffle cake, Luke. Uh, oh, it's just it's... in the shape of a dick? <laughs> so back to the original question, Luke. Would you eat? Oh, so let me get this straight. So the bit of this place is the waffles may or may not be taste. Oh, look at that! That oh, is, is that the uh, is that the Eggers meats uh, insertion sauce? Luke? Yeah, this is, is that- really. I mean, what are we? This is terrible. Okay, um, okay, okay. But yes, I'd eat it. Yes, I'd. <laughs> I'd love to get that on camera. I really would. All right, number three, Luke. Um, we get a little more exotic this time. <laughs> would you eat? So batter with the pickles. Pickle pop? Fried Ooh. pickle. Breaded fried pickle? Dipped into peanut butter? Uh, I don't know about the peanut butter, but I'd eat it, yes. I wouldn't go near this. You know what You know what pickles really are, Luke? Cucumbers in disguise. In disguise. F cucumbers, Luke. Yes, they've been brined. Like, that's... Yeah, the worst. I wouldn't... Over, I wouldn't over go, discovering how food works. I wouldn't go near that phallic-looking uh, uh, piece of street fair food, Luke, okay? All right. I might try this next one, though, Luke. I think they call this a ravioli dog. Your thoughts? What the fuck? <laughs> you know, I could be swayed into trying this. I'm not, I'm this, not kidding you. Dude, it's like, would you eat this? I'm like, is this my last meal on death row? <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> All right, like, Luke. Yo, uh, you know, have you ever been like a tw- like in your 20s and you're just trying to find shit in the, in the fridge to make? You're like, All right, I've got three hot dog buns. I've got yogurt. I've got some peanut butter. I've got two ravioli that I kind of ate, but a leftover. I got a can of baked beans. I've got some ketchup, whiskey, and some potato chips. What can I make? It's like, okay. Real talk, though, if you don't put the baked beans on the hot dog and then the ketchup over it, are, do you, are you really playing the same game as me? me I mean, are you really... Baked- Baked beans on hot dogs are for simpletons. I just want you to know that. Simpletons are for geniuses, Luke. Are no, you kidding me? Because nothing for white tastes trash better. Simpletons who have the palate of a toddler. Nothing in the world tastes better than the baked bean brown sauce. And I think that you know, deep like deep inside, given where you where you come from, you know that's true, Luke. You freaking know that's true. No, right? I don't, and I think you're disgusting. 
All right. Uh, finally, I got one more for you, Luke. Tell me, tell me or the truth, or tell me to f off. I think I found your dream Uber, and I'm gonna hire these guys everywhere we go together for at least the next year. You're telling us. <laughs> Three. There's four dudes. One job among them. Oh God! Are these my peers? <laughs> That's what you look like, Luke. Yeah, I know. It is the worst habit on earth. I can't believe. I, I really hope these guys got in a car wreck. I really do. <laughs> All right, that's the shit for the for this week, Luke. Hope you hope you liked it. Hope you saw it. It was yeah. good. You did a good job, dude. You did a good job. Well, let me just remind everyone: it is BC's birthday. Why don't you throw up the social handles there for the Malka folks so we can see what they are? Send BC a DM. Put some dongs in it. He, he's into that. But either way, send him a happy birthday message. My man's 44. Big day. You got any any plans? I mean, I guess you're going on vacation this weekend. For the, yeah, I'm going on a cruise. You, you've Friday. taken two vacations before I've even taken one. I mean, yeah. So this was this was the makeup for that that April trip uh, to Colorado and Utah. I had to cancel because my son was really sick. So it, it did end up being an. Look, they're always an opportune. I always schedule these things. And then you find out two weeks later, oh, guess what? We're playing a pay-per-view for that week. So it always happens that way. But um, I, the, we, the D.C. trip was kind of like a weekend getaway. And originally, you and I were going to do the show from there. And then things just kind of fell apart, Luke. People got sick. You know how that works. You know. All right. Well, enjoy your time, whether you celebrate or not. Happy 44th to you. Uh, if you want to, I want to remind everyone, there is Showtime Championship Boxing on Saturday. I'll be there at the Barclays Center. So go to Showtime.com for a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, do whatever you want with your life, but it is there. You can get some merch. Huh? Some merch. Morningcombat.store. I'm kind of leaning the wrong way like a jackass, but there you have it. There's the available one there. And uh, morningcombat at gmail.com. Wednesdays, fan subs, Fridays, dead wrong, or to reach out to the producers. BC and I don't see it, so you don't have to put us in the email, but the, but the producers do. So have a gander there. BC, any final thoughts on this wonderful birthday of yours? Um, no. Uh, my wife bought me a Boston cream pie, though, yesterday. So that's going to be a nice uh, nice treat. Wait, I'll probably get... You mean like the donut? Yeah, they make a pie version of the donut. It's the best thing that ever happened. I've never had that. That sounds unbelievable, actually. It's amazing. It, now, just, just to be fair, it's not as good as the donut, but it's kind of the donut's flavor in a cake. It's amazing. Ooh. All right. So, yeah, well, did I say pie? That. I meant cake. It's cake, Luke. Okay, cake. but it's okay. Amazing. Either way, cake is better than pie anyway, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Um, all right, we will be oh, tons of content. Want to remind you, I've got an interview I'm recording later today. So is BC. Extra oh, big credit names. Will be out. Huh? Big names. Big names. You and I are interviewing. Big ones. Yes, indeed. And also, pregame preview will be up very, very soon. So tons of content coming your way. YouTube.com/slash/MorningCombat is the place to get it, and uh, we're going to keep you busy. We're going to keep you busy for a while. So. For BC, for Malka, for CBS Sports and Showtime, I'm Luke Thomas. This has been Morning Combat. Happy birthday to the King of Connecticut. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. 
Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.